Thundergrunt. Hey guys. What's up, fellas? Hello. I'm John. Um, Ronald. I'm always conflicted about that. Do I say Ron or Ronald? We go through this every time. Yeah. Every I'll say Ronald today. We obviously, there's no there's no improvement. Yeah. Very formal. <laughs> and your certainty how you <laughs> right. it. I'm Steve. And uh, does it feel kind of spooky in here to, to everyone else? It it's does. It's super man. spooky. It's in, in the air. We're getting so close to Halloween. Mm. And we did a very, very spooky thing. <laughs> so spooky. So spooky um, and campy and uh, uh, sexist and racist and all of that. And but all it of gets that. racist. That's well, it, yeah. And actually, we're going to try to take it movie by movie. So we will definitely uh-huh. – I think we all know which movie we're going to get to discuss uh, the racism inherent in these, in these slasher films. Yeah. We know which one it will be. We'll let the listeners be in some level of suspense. But this is our – Episode-long dissection of the Sleepaway Camp uh, mm. horror movie franchise. Right. We all nominated one franchise. Steve was the one that suggested Sleepaway Camp. And I think you may have been the only one who's actually seen a full Sleepaway Camp movie prior yeah. to this. Yeah. Which is why, I, why I'm glad we got it. Because yeah. specifically Ronald, I just <laughs> couldn't wait to hear. Well, this is a... A horror film series started in 1983, written and directed by Robert Hiltzik, a guy whose only two films thus far that he's ever directed were Sleepaway Camp and Return to Sleepaway Camp yeah. years later. Um, and then the series was sort of carried on by these other guys, Fritz Gordon writing the scripts and Michael A. Simpson directing. Mm. That went on for a couple more movies. And then yet another guy took on an attempt at a fourth film. And then finally in 2004, uh, the original guy, Robert Hiltzik, came back to to make another movie and to ignore the other sequels when he made his film, which is like a popular thing to do with horror movies. The true sequel. At yeah. some point to like clear the deck and say, this is what we're actually going to make a sequel reason. to. Right. Oh, yeah. For very good reason for with good these reason. movies. So it's kind of a... Um, a checkered uh, a story as far as a franchise goes. Like there's it's, not... almost, it's almost like the fr- the Fast and the Furious timeline. Yeah, like where there's like sequels that are they're out of order yeah. too. Like yeah, if yeah. you think about Absolutely. like this, like five is the direct sequel to like two or to one. one. Yeah, yeah. So like... And actually makes it so that two and three couldn't have happened or haven't happened yet. Right. And then right. the fourth one is not really anything. <laughs> but we'll try to go into the movie by movie as much as possible. <clears throat> have we said the name of the show? This show is movie schmovie. Movie okay. schmovie. As far as an episode of this show, I kept thinking, as the movies themselves were were making me sad and angry and, and bored and different things like that, um, and having a little bit of fun, too, I was thinking about how much fodder it was for the show, the fact that these movies were what they were, because oh. they really are, like, they, they take you through a sort of a tour of a, of a kind of horror film that, and you can see how the franchise kind of ages over yeah. the years. And how they, they the attempts to keep it current, uh, either you know that, that either succeed or fail. Could have been Saw as nominated by by Ronald. It could have been Candyman as nominated by me, and it could have been and was Sleepaway Camp as nominated by Steve. How, how did this experience make you feel overall, Ronald? I can see how somebody could watch this franchise and hate horror films, mm-hmm. like as a as a, a genre, just because it's it is a little bit of everything that I hate about horror films that, yeah. that I hated initially that I learned to that wasn't all encompassing about the genre 
through you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I had a lot of experiences with movies like this prior to it. But the fact that the fact that you someone wanted to watch all of them. It's actually rare these days that we've all seen the same movies and mm. we're going to get a chance to talk about them. Definitely. Whether they're good or bad. And to, when I was deep into watching this series and thinking, wow, this is going to be the first time that we've ever <laughs> recorded an episode where all three of us have seen five terrible films <laughs> that, five we, of them. that we can talk about in this kind of captive audience sense. As we move on <clears throat> from one movie to the next, I'll be throwing in little little edited uh, audio packages of the of our voice memos that mm-hmm. we that we were recording, but like knowing that I was doing that, it turned it into almost like a research project. So <laughs> yeah, I, I did. So Seriously. I was thinking like, what am I trying to track over my experience of of watching these movies? And I realized it was sort of my knowing that they were going to be bad in the beginning and hoping I was going to get a little something out of them, which is a way that you approach any genre that you like. Like whether it's martial arts movies or, or detective movies or, or horror films, if you like a genre, you kind of know, well, I'm going to watch some shit to look for some little moments that I'm going to carry sure. away that I think are good. So to, but to carry that through to knowing that you're like locked in. Yeah. Because normally seriously. if I just watch Sleepaway Camp, I don't think I would be saying I've got to watch yes. two through five <laughs> right now. And so for me, it was like tracking an understanding of horror films, what they meant to me back then when I started watching this type of film and what I, what I expect from movies now. Yeah, totally. Mm. Um, but also that it really did live up to what I had hoped would be kind of a fun, like, as, as as boring as much as they can drag, you can't help but get interested when you can tell, oh, this is a scene where something's going to happen. I wonder how they're going to do it. Yeah. And if anything, this series sort of <laughs> exemplifies that need for a horror film in this in this era, especially in the 80s into the 90s, to have like this idea of creative kills, yeah. that you're setting up something elaborate, you know? Mm-hmm. So I found that to be kind of funny to see the way that they tr- really try to... Because inevitably, you've got some that are really lame and it seems like they wouldn't, wouldn't really kill the person. And some of the people just clearly aren't dead yet, you know? And it's yeah. not clear why they would die. From from their injuries and the power of a stick. I didn't yeah. know that a stick could do some of the things that it did. And... When you repeatedly hit someone, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. It's right. amazing what you can do with a stick. <laughs> I mean, it's always not, it's not always apparent who's got upper body strength like that. She doesn't look like she's got it. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. So, Steve, what about you? With having seen the movies before, yeah. or having seen most of them before, how did you feel having watched them in this kind of concentrated way? I think it was kind of what you were just saying, like how how these films affect me, like as an adult having tasted better films mm-hmm. yeah. or different kinds of horror you know and even even still being a fan of like a lot of this like kind of kind of cheesier slasher camp killer stuff that was really popular in the 80s and early 90s um it was more of just kind of like a gauge for me to be like why did i like that or right. like, why or why was why was i why but then i think back and i remember seeing the first one and then like i i, I absolutely like saw the second and third one when they came out like mm-hmm. it was just that kind of like atmosphere then when you didn't have as much access to as many horror films, and there wasn't as much, and they were always on your video shelf. Yeah. Like, some of them would hit theaters, but you'd always see them on the shelves at a, at a video store. So you would just grab it, because, like, the box was cool, or it was the sequel to the one that you sort of liked, so you'd watch it anyway. Yeah. But sitting down and, like, plowing through five of them, it was, it was like, it was a little bit rough, but mm-hmm. um, it was also really fun, just because it does... I did remember, like, certain things that I liked about some of them when I was younger, but then, uh, you know, some of that stuff sort of held up, it, not in the uh, right. most positive of lights, but mm. just for how cheesy or hilarious it was. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it was cool just to kind of look back. I mean, and also to think about a, a genre or like a subgenre of horror that was so huge at right. that time. And even even this being a series that like calls out to a lot of the series that it was kind of riffing off of mm-hmm. in some of these sequels. 
um, being very aware of like the of the genre it was in was I, I found kind of funny, and uh, it was kind of fun to be looking at that years later and a lot more aware of it. You know, in the moment, I don't know that I realized it yeah. when I was younger or teenager. Whenever I I was definitely young when I saw these, which mm. which is also a problem, I, I guess. But right. yeah, the question of what made my young self <clears throat> latch on to this style yeah. of film so yeah. much. Um, well, let's do this. Let's we're about to get into discussing the first film so what we'll do since we want to listen to your your message that you recorded okay. but for the listener what you're about to hear is just a little audio montage of of some voice memos that ronald and steve and i recorded before and after uh watching sleepaway camp i, I keep wanting to say sleepaway camp one but it's just <laughs> sleepaway, camp. sleepaway yeah. camp so here it comes about to start watching Sleepaway Camp, the first film. Hey guys, Steve. Uh, I'm about to sit down and jump back into the Sleepaway Camp franchise. This is Ronald. Uh, Sleepaway Camp. Never heard of it in my life before it was mentioned on this podcast, so I'm excited. The, the poster's dope. Man, it looks very cool. All I really know about this movie is the rather famous reveal at the ending, so I don't know if that if that ruins the movie or not, or if that takes any of the pleasure out of watching the movie but i'm i'm i think i'm ready and i heard that this has a cool ending i didn't google it they told me not to google it so i didn't google it so hopefully this ending is a surprise very curious to see what ronald thinks of it specifically since he's never heard of them or seen any of them but uh if memory serves uh they are pretty ridiculous and i'm curious to see how i feel after watching the first one so i'll check in shortly see ya toodaloo i don't know why i said toodaloos but bye 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 Wow. Just finished watching uh, Sleepaway Camp. All right. Just got finished watching uh, Sleepaway Camp 1. Okay, so that was part one. Or as I like to call it, Brotherhood of the Traveling Jorts, because no one had shorts that were purchased from an actual store. Made me uncomfortable. It was an experience like I remembered it being. I think that this was just a very underimagined movie with a few... A few very strong ideas in it, so. I can't express to you how angry I am after watching this movie. You guys didn't want to watch so. Things that stand out a little more to me as an adult now, seeing it is how much uh, pedophilia there is, obviously, in this movie. <laughs> I, can't, I can't express how angry I am right now. You guys you want me to watch this whole series. I am fucking angry. All right, bye. All right, so Ronald, <laughs> were, were, were you, um, you was, angry? I was uh, angry. I want to offer the caveat that I don't think at any point Steve said, this is a good movie. You're going to love it. What he said was, this would be fun to watch and discuss for the show. No one at any point said that these movies were good. I hadn't seen any of them before we did this, so I can't have been... <laughs> Thank you, John. I think what you really <laughs> wanted to do was direct that anger at um, at the people who made the, the movie. Maybe. However, there is a sort of Stockholm Syndrome that kicks in when you're watching a yeah. series like this. That yeah. When you get to, like, particularly the third one in this case, mm. there was a point where I was just like... Uh, here we marching merrily to the grave kind of sensibility of I'm going to get through this, you know. Um, but, but watching the first one, I find a lot of the 
sleaziness and kind of disreputability of mm. of exploitation, kind of early horror, where before yeah. it had all been codified into this genre with all these cliches and tropes attached to it, the slasher film was usually centered around a mystery mm-hmm. as to who the killer is, right. and the movie would hinge on that. And people, you know, there's a there's less of an acknowledgement early in the movie that there's murders happening. Well, these could be accidents. Right. Once you get to parts three and four, it's it's like, well, everybody knows that there's a yeah, string yeah. of murders. But so the first movie always has the opportunity to be a little bit different than the than the typical That's true. film. So I was so reminded of that watching this film that it reminds me of other films like My Bloody Valentine and... And Friday the Thirteenth, and you know, all the right. So I, I would say that this movie is has got the most charm out of the bunch. Mm -hmm. It's got the most like personality out of the bunch. It It doesn't mean it's a good movie. It doesn't mean I would recommend it to people as a good movie. But as a sort of, I don't even know what it's really instructional towards. Maybe we can get into that. But your attitude at the end of watching it was was definitely like, what what did I just watch? Why did I watch it? Who who were these assholes that asked me to watch this film? Yeah, I thought that was something really funny about the way that the teenagers spoke to each other. It was some of the most aggressive dialogue. How angry was Ricky the entire time? He was so angry. Every time you saw but it, him, he was so angry. But it was, so was angry. like basic stuff like they'd be like, you know what? Ricky's a piece of shit. Like, fuck you. I know. Fuck you. Fuck you. Kind of a whiny, yeah. like, like his voice hadn't quite fully changed right, yet right. or something. He delivered. He, this is the thing. He delivered all that really well. I think the way they depict the sort of ugliness and meanness that kids have towards other kids, that kind of bullying. That was real. Right. I think that that was like depicted in a really sort <clears> of, <throat> uh, I mean, again, an almost ex- exploitation film sort of level of yeah. this is like Lord of the Flies type situation that kids are in. But but yeah, so like that was an interesting character. Ricky. Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was fucking... I, I, think, I think it played on a, on this little clip that you played, but mm-hmm. his... his uh, Quote of the movie for me was when they're playing the softball game. Yeah, these these macho men playing softball. Mm-hmm. Um, him and Bill are arguing, and <laughs> <laughs> what does he? Say? Bill says, "Eat shit and die, Ricky." And Ricky responds, "Eat shit and live, Bill." <laughs> That's an incredible. Quote. Is it not great? It's a... I mean, he shut him up right yeah, away. Yeah, it... he's like, "What?" In the heat yeah. of a softball game, You're right? Yeah. <laughs> what is what do you say to that what, what is masculine and feminine in this mm-hmm. in this movie what what was is that not the true question of sleepaway camp Ronald? what is yeah. what is sexuality yeah what is you know what something about this movie seems very fluid yes some somebody's a pervert yeah. uh, somebody believes that like old people mm-hmm. can date young people at, at this like <laughs> this oh yeah, yeah, yeah. they're no. more they're more attractive to younger women than it's weird that, teenagers yes, their age in two out of the five films yes there There's is a lot a, of it. there is but the, in, particularly in one and three, one three there is yeah. a weird skeevy gross old guy yeah who has a young hottie who's like all about it yeah for him and then we'll get to the one in three because there's some funny things about that one but in this first one it was like it was almost like they cast the role of of Mel, the guy who owns yeah. the camp, a little old, and they cast the role of Meg, the girl that wants to be with him, a little young. And yeah. somehow the movie just didn't bother trying to explain whether this was supposed to be creepy or bad. Right. But I, the movie does have a, a blatant child molester in it in the form of, uh, what's his name, Artie? Artie, yeah. The chef, who is so – it's like the grossness and sleaziness I was talking about. Is, that's, that's, the, that's what that character makes you feel like. The first thing he says when he sees the kids running onto the camp – 
site, like at the beginning of summer, is that he he calls them baldies, which is so bad. But then later there's a reference to pubic hair as well. Judy is making fun of um, of Angela and saying maybe she's afraid to shower in front of the other girls because she doesn't have any pubic hair yet. So I was thinking like, well, this movie is like weirdly obsessed with like pubic yeah. hair, but also it's it's weirdly like it's like it's very in the nitty gritty of like again that ugliness of the way the kids are talking to each yeah. other. There's a lot of like. Uh, the first few movies at least have some kind of uh, homosexual slur in them. You know, there's a moment in this one where I, they say something about you guys are a bunch of queers or, or something like that. And then it, it just it seems like it's so of its time in terms of that stuff. But it also is hinted like around the edges when it gets towards this twist, which I guess we're assuming anyone that's listening to this is either doesn't care about being spoiled or they've seen the films. Uh, maybe they watched along with us. But um, at the end of the film, we find out that Angela, the sort of mousy girl that we've been following the whole time, is not a girl, but actually she's her brother who was forced to act like her after she died in a boating accident (laughs) at the beginning of the film. So the film opens with this – you can kind of put it together that one of the kids survived, but we don't really know what's going on. But right from the start, there's that scene where Ricky and Angela are with – the uh, mother, mm-hmm. or Ricky's mother, her aunt. Right, Aunt Martha. Aunt Martha. And the movie's already been so bad in terms of the acting. Mm-hmm. Like in the, do you remember in the middle of the boat accident at the beginning, the, the guy on the shore who we find out later is the, the gay lover of the dad? Lenny. He, there's just a close-up of his face saying, John. <laughs> and then it flashes back to the girl on the, yeah. on the, on the that was on the jet ski. Somebody help them! Yeah. No, that's... John. Somebody help them! <laughs> so drawn out. John. It's so... Somebody help them! It's so drawn out. Every shot in this series is so drawn out. It lasts so five minutes. Out. Every sequence is so drawn out. Oh, my out. God. But when it gets to Aunt Martha and it. talking to Ricky and Angela, the movie had already mm. been so bad in terms of the acting and yeah. everything that I couldn't tell. Like, this is a problem. When yeah. you can't tell if a character is supposed to be blatantly insane or just a really hammy actor who wasn't told to rein it in. Right. Yeah. And we find out later in the movie that she's blatantly insane. Yeah. Um, or mentally unwell, if I want to be fair to our, our, our brothers and sisters out there with mental illness. But um, <laughs> I don't think you want Aunt Martha in your club. She is... Um, she turns out to be like dangerously, uh, a, you know, an, an insane person. We it made it clear what was what was going on in the earlier part, but only retroactively, you know. And I think the movie's full of that kind of thing where it's got that mystery going and it's got this storyline going, but there's really not much of a there there. Yeah. And there's really not much of a story there, like as to what triggers these murders. It's all very ambiguous. What's going on there? And then the way that it ends, the one thing I'll give it credit for is it ends like a horror story. It ends with a shock. It doesn't try to tell the whole story. It doesn't it's try a good to shock. doesn't try to show the good guys escape and a, right. you know beat right, the bad right. guy. It's like a moment of oh my god, this is crazy, and that's where it ends. Now that might be bad storytelling or bad screenwriting that mm. they ended it that way, but I do think that a movie that you know all of these movies were under ninety minutes, and I will say that is one Which thing is I'm crazy. extremely thankful for. Yeah, yeah. But also, I I like that. I like that approach to just like let's just barely crack what it means to be a full length film and yeah. just get this out there. So yeah, it's leading up to that reveal at the end that that Angela is her brother Peter, with a, one of the scariest facial expressions I think I've ever seen. Okay, in my so life. let's talk about that last shot because I think that last shot actually works and I is disturbing so and lingers with me now. Like when I think about that, it creeps me out. Sure. Like if I came upon that in the shadows, she uh, Angela, who seemed to be a a, yeah. a mousy, scrawny girl all this time, stands up in in the moonlight and she's nude and she's kind of like a brawny. Yeah. Broad-shouldered man with a with a little penis poking out, and she's got this weird frozen expression on her face, and she's making a weird animalistic kind of hissing yeah. kind of. Yeah. Ah! 
ah kind of yeah. sound. That was creepy yeah. because I was like, oh my gosh, creepy. what is this killer? Like, who is this weirdo? Is this person just going to keep killing everybody? Um, but did I, I found a little bit out about how they did it. Why that looks the way that it does? Oh, okay, so that I like, was wondering like, about like that. it's a mask when a... it's a naked dude in a mask, right? Yeah, and and but I mean the very thing that made it creepy is a limitation. Like to me, the thing Definitely. that made that creepy was the weird, otherworldly, frozen expression yeah. that made it look like this thing that you were seeing is itself terrified of something that it's seeing something or hearing something that you know. It almost looked too good to exist in eighty three. It almost looked too good to be a mask. Yeah, it but looked... I guess it's shot in the dark and it's it's but it is weirdly still. But yeah, it doesn't look like uh, it doesn't weird. look like the various like the the. the other effects in this movie were all pretty uniformly terrible or barely even there like they managed to avoid showing right, right. anything happening to somebody there's some decent yeah. makeup <clears throat> like after the guy gets burned uh, after the chef gets burned he's there's some pretty good like pulsating blisters oh yeah on yeah him. the and chef then, that could have just stepped off of the stool on yeah. the ground yeah that shit <laughs> in a comically big pot yeah. there was a- well he did have to feed the whole camp he so. did yeah he was boiling <laughs> corn I think or something I was like, "There's something's going to happen with this." It's, it's he wasn't going to throw the corn in. There was a whole plot point, Steve. He uh, wasn't get, he wasn't ready to throw it in. Right? Yet. Wasn't was wasn't yeah, enough salt right, in it yeah. or something? Yeah. It, and that <laughs> angle where he's like hanging onto the rim of it for yeah. like way too long. Like, yeah. Whoa, 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 stop! Yeah. Stop! <laughs> so good. Another, was, another extremely what? drawn out moment. Like it's I so we should have been timing There's the so kills. Many John. Someone out there timed the kills for us and tell us how yeah. long they are. Because I bet this kill was a th- was like three minutes yeah. of There's him one on, the, yeah. on the stool going, "Hey, cut hey, it out! Cut it out! Let me down, and I'll yeah. get you an ice cream sandwich." Yeah. Actually, that's in the fifth one, isn't it? No. Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure. There's he a very says, similar kill in the. Fifth I'm pretty one. sure he says the same thing. I'm, that was something I want to talk about with the yeah. fifth one. Yeah, but the ice cream sandwiches were a plot point in the fifth one. But I don't know. Maybe uh, they did come up in this. Or one. maybe it was just ice cream. Yeah. Whatever. I think all he said in this one was like, <laughs> "It's you," or you know, they always yeah. do that when you don't see the killer. What but, are you doing here? Yes, yes, they did. So here's a few things. Uh, in addition to the thing at the end, is a guy wearing a mask who's never actually been credited until. <clears throat> Part four in the credits where they used footage from the first movie. They used that. The ending. Oh, right. Then it was credited as, uh, I think, Archie Liberace. Is, who's, it says, it says Naked Angela, uh, Archie Liberace. But they, that name was not in the credits of the original that movie. Name. So I think that was just thrown in to confuse people. But also in the first movie, I don't think they wanted to tip off at all that there, you know, what was going on. Right, right. Um, but uh, another, cool thing, reveal. another I- thing I found out was that um, the Ben the the old black guy that works in the kitchen, oh, yeah. um, which is like a weirdly racist kitchen yeah. situation. Just the way that he's like, there's like a few minorities that work in the kitchen, and he's being told by Mel. Mel's telling Ben, the the guy who's like now the head chef, but like uh, just to keep these guys quiet, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, don't worry, they won't say anything to anybody. There's this weird kind of like, Has let's he been keep this black exploitation movies. Well, you know who he is. Who is he? Uh, uh, James Earl Jones's dad. What? That's Robert Earl Jones. Are you fucking with Let me? Let me make sure. serious. You're right. And you would know him. I remember him in The Sting. I remember he had a particularly memorable role at the beginning of the uh, the film The Sting. And the guy who played Mel, the guy who ran the camp, he was actually like a you know a, an actor with a pretty long resume, like a stage and screen actor who you know had a pretty long history at that point, and was actually battling 
lung cancer while they made the movie, and he died before before it came out. But it was it was that wow. actor's last role. I found out a few little tidbits like this. James so, L. Jones's dad was was in Sleepaway Camp. His in a, voice was incredible. In a way that you thought that character would come back into it. He seemed like he was primed to be like yeah. he was going to die in a later scene or something. Right, right. You know, or he was also going to be a child molester. You know, they just might as well. He seemed kind of amused by Artie's being a child molester at the beginning. Yeah. Like, oh, Artie. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> what? <laughs> Casually was going to just take his dick out. And they just yeah, they just accepted it. That's what they do, man. I mean, I guess for the time, I, that makes me, that shook me up, man. I got to be honest. That scene, he's just going to unbuckle his pants in, in the stock room? Yeah. <sighs> Big so guy. many titties in this movie. Can we talk about that? Just... Well, in the first one, there were no titties. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes. I just lumped them together. But I do there think were no titties in there this was, movie? There were none. Even in the shower scene, it was framed in such a way that oh. it was zero boobies. Which I felt like was very careful. It also shares that in common with the fifth one, directed by the same guy. So maybe he just doesn't like... He doesn't oh, like yeah. Beauty. Good point. But the other ones are more typical of the genre in the sense that they deliver those certain things. So we'll get to that in a second. What is, like, the real story of this movie? I know the setup. I know that there was a boating accident where a man and a child were killed. And we thought that that the daughter lived this right. whole time. But, in fact, the son lived but was forced by his crazy aunt who always wanted a girl to act like his dead sister. Who is a doctor. Right. Yes. Who gave her him her pills. Yes. Yeah. Right. Who also forged the physical sheets that they took to camp. So going okay. to... That Ricky couldn't tell them about. All right. So going to... you know, But here's the only Ooh. indication that the mom is crazy at the beginning. Is that Ricky says to Angela, he, he turns to her and he says, There's old mom. At it again. That was the only line in that scene that tips us off to the notion that the mother is like supposed to be clinically unwell you know but the way she was speaking to them was very yeah. strange like hello but God. it just seemed like an actress i thought oh this is like some local theater teacher that they knew and they gave right. her role and also like the actress who plays judy the kind of mean yeah, girl yeah she was very over the top in a way that almost felt like it should be in a john waters film or something right which you don't know is that an actor having fun with the notion of being in some trash or is that like a really bad actor really throwing themselves into the oh, role? God, yeah. And it's hard well, to tell. I, mean, I, I would vote for the latter. But it's kind of a naive feeling yeah. film in a lot of ways. It's sleazy and gross, and it's got the child molesters, and it's got the murders, and it's got a an implied uh, raping to death by curling iron in one scene. You know, there's a lot of scenes that are just like, how did that kill a person? And you're really yeah, trying to yeah. figure out. Uh, also, some scenes where people just go mysteriously quiet when they're being stabbed or or they're being hit with an axe. Yeah. Um, the scene where an arrow goes through a guy's throat and, and they, they did it. Actually, it's a pretty good effect. It is. It, it looks really good. Because and I, you know how they did that. I found this out too. Um, they had uh, half an arrow spring loaded on the guy's back. This is a cool effect. I yeah, mean. but the, but the other effects were non-existent. Like the scene where the girl gets stabbed in the shower, and they do it through the wall, so that you, there's no, there's not even any blood on her side. Like right. she's just and going, when Mel ah, comes back, ah. she's still standing yeah. up. Yeah, and there's no knife in the wall. Yes, because she, she just cleaned just, it off already. Yeah. But she's still standing. Yeah. No. Didn't she so collapse bad. right when the guy she got She collapsed right when he was in there, yeah. What? <clears throat> he must have touched the wall or something. <laughs> so, 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 so back to the story. So, so, okay, so Peter survives. <clears throat> He's raised as Angela. By his, right. Right. By his aunt. He's raised as his dead sister by his crazy aunt. Right. Mm -hmm. Correct. So are we to believe that when he goes back to this camp, the camp that was across the lake from where the accident happened, right. that... She just snaps, 
or is taking vengeance now that this is because this is her first time because Ricky's been there a few times, but this is the first time that she's actually gone with him. Mm-hmm. So do we just think that she's there to like rain hell on everybody of bad morals and well, this, uh, this is before ill doers. This is before the the Angela of the next two yes. films, though. So I would say in this film we have to look at what's in the film. There's no evidence of like a highly moralistic or prudish tone to right. Angela in this. She just seems kind of quiet and mousy and shy. She doesn't seem like she's judgmental. I don't know, but if you look at some of her kills, who she selected, I mean... And I agree, but they're usually yeah. people that have done... She's that, just not telling us They're usually people that she's, that, doing she's, it. that she's getting revenge on because they were cruel, though. It almost seems like there's no real... Again, there's almost not a connection between the fact that she was raised by a woman who made her act like a different gender after her father was killed in a boating accident. It almost seems like you could have any kid show up and get bullied the way she did and yeah. decide to snap. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. Maybe it's just like a really cheesy attempt to explain the psychology of the killer because otherwise she's kind of an unmotivated just like... Maybe she'd been waiting all that time. Yeah. Just go back. When you look at the victims, you're right. It is like centered around like Paul, who's the boy who... Uh, uh, she caught kissing another girl that that liked her. Cheated on it's her. the mean girl. And, and he the, also and the, the other like, mean girl. All the mean girls. He also tried yeah. to like basically almost rape her, and then he's like, "I'm so sorry yeah. that I almost right did this." And then I got I I got away with it. Well, the movie's kind of interesting in that it posits him as kind of a nice guy, but yeah. yeah, in the end, you realize that he was another person marked for death by his behavior. You know, yeah. and those kids that she hacked up in the sleeping bags in the most ambiguously filmed yeah. <laughs> discovering the body scene I've ever seen. It, the, the, the guy comes up on the, on, the, on the group of sleeping bags and he's got a flashlight, I think. But, or it's just shot in moonlight. <laughs> and they're vaguely like, they look like the stuffing's been pulled out and you can kind of see blood. And it, for a second I was like, oh, the kids put ketchup all over their sleeping bags and they're trying to trick the guy. I just right. was thinking like it's that kind of movie, you know. It looks like and then by the foot. time he throws up, you realize, oh, we're supposed to think that that's clear that they, those kids are dead. Yeah. But otherwise yeah. it was very vague. But that was her, that was her, uh, that was her equivalent to um, Anakin killing the Padawans in uh, yeah. in Revenge of the Sith. It's like this is like a shade too far. If she is the redemptive killer yeah. who's killing people that are awful people that we want to see get killed, this is the scene where she goes too far, and you can't really yeah. root for Angela right. anymore. Right. <laughs> it looks like a big thing stepped on them, like yeah. uh, like a dinosaur or something, or or Yeti. I like uh, this fan theory. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing I have for my is my imagination outside of this crazy fucking movie. Um, so does anybody <clears throat> want to talk about a particular favorite death or a death that really stands out to them from this film? I thought for every film it might be fun to, to at least address that. In the first one? Yeah. I think the first death, the the big uh, pot. Yeah. The comically big pot. I've, I've never seen a pot that large before <laughs> in my life. That had to have been like something else, like a trash can. Yeah. With, and they just put handles on it. There's no way that food is cooked in that thing. How could you bring it down to to put it into a bowl or something? That's that's probably my favorite. I, I'd probably pick Judy. Yeah, the weirdness of that. Well, also, did you realize, like, in a lot of the shots, like, when people are being attacked by Angela? Mm-hmm. It's like, just the hand? <laughs> well, you see the silhouette of, of Judy's body and, like, Angela coming in with the mm-hmm. curling iron. Yeah. But Judy's hands are just going like this. Like, <laughs> no! Yeah. But down here is the person. Like, yeah. she's not trying to it's stop the person. It's kind of jazz person. hands, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, <laughs> just shaking her hands. And I'm just like, how theatrical that was. And I'm like, you could just yeah. maybe yeah. try to stop her. 
Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> well, no, the people are, are continually so struck, like, physically incapable of doing Anything. A, a very logical thing. Like, I, I, yeah. I might be wrong about this, but isn't there a clear gap underneath the wall to the bathroom stall? Absolutely. That, that guy is in when he, when he gets the bee hives. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a guy who gets killed. He's sitting on the shitter. He's reading a comic book. I really wish they had framed the shot so he could tell at any moment which comic book it was he was yeah. reading. Um, but this, the, I think it was Billy. Is that his name? Yeah, Billy. Billy, that like the guy. Talk about talk about. You know, you were talking about there was no like store bought shorts in this film, no. Ronald. But he had some store bots, but they were like up in his up yeah. in his nut crease, you know. <laughs> like, and so did Ronnie, the guy who runs the oh, camp. Yeah, like Ronnie he came up and high. he was dressed like it was a like. It's not apparent. Like, if I was thinking, like, who's going to... A guy's going to walk up. Yeah. And he's going to be the guy who runs the camp. <laughs> I'm not going to have him dressed like Richard Simmons, yeah. you know? <laughs> I'm going to have him, like, wearing, like, some, some I don't know, so, like, khaki shorts and, and a, and a yeah. button-down shirt or with something. The crazy, with the, John, the, the craziest dick print. <laughs> yeah. The cra- I mean, like, look, I'm, I'm a straight dude, but you couldn't help but notice... Yeah. This guy had a serious dick print that that was yeah. really well. Billy was very similar. The reason I mentioned yeah, Ronnie Billy. is like Billy also had like one <laughs> pair of like running shorts with the little stripes on the side and like no, no shirt at any point. I don't think. <laughs> so he goes into the bathroom to take a shit and he's and then somebody sticks on the outside. They stick a stick through the handle on the outside so it won't open. And then they they rip through the screen behind him, and he doesn't seem to notice that. And then they stick a beehive in the <laughs> stall with him. Now the stall has the fullest beehive known to man. But right. the stall has. Of killer bees that attack and then disappear. They don't. They don't stick around to bother anybody else. But um, except eat it his seems face. that you could crawl over or go under that stall door and get right. out of there, or that the bees wouldn't be so contained that they would, you know, yeah. that they would focus on you. Right. So that death struck me as like the dumbest, and also the one that benefited the most from the school of don't show them anything and then just show them the body falling down yeah. later. Yeah. You know, like there was no point where we see a moving person getting stung by bees. They didn't even show us any bees until the very end. End there. of it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So anyway, I, but I don't know. I, I would have to agree if I were going to pick a death, I would probably pick the uh, the guy who. What did the paramedics say? He's badly burned all over. <laughs> <laughs> but um, because of how drawn out it was, and also just the sheer economy of of div- introducing that guy within seconds, he's saying creepy stuff about wanting to bang kids. Then he comes on to a kid. Then he gets killed or gets burned horribly all over. And it's like, I like this, the sudden justice. I, I like the arc of Artie, the, the child molesting chef. I, I was hoping they bring Artie back. Yeah. yeah. In they, return. I know. Yeah. There's room Missed for opportunity. Artie. Yeah. Well, heck, you know, he supposedly got, he supposedly got a, Badly burned. a plan for one more. So oh, joy. Anyway, they got to use the word prognosis when they're trying to figure out what's the prognosis. <laughs> what? Why would you ever use I love that? how influ- easily influenced all the medical and uh, police staff were yeah. in yes. this town. Yes, Mel, yes. Mel would like question one thing about mm-hmm. when, when, when the one guy drowned mm-hmm. under the boat. He's like, yeah, he just drowned, see? <laughs> Wouldn't you say that makes sense? And the <laughs> cop's like, at this point, I can't. But, but wouldn't you say yeah. that he just drowned? Yeah. But, yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. The power of influence. Mel, very influential. <laughs> I mean, he bagged himself a... He had a cigar. How man. old was she? Like 15, 16? Yeah, if that. <laughs> I liked You're his outfit generous. when he was ready for Dang. the date. He looked kind of yeah. spiffy, you know. He's good to go. And his acting when he discovered her, and he was like, oh, no, not you, Meg. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God, that was so good. Oh, that, no. That, like, little s- snippet that he gets. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, they I... did this. <laughs> yeah. They did this. They he... did this to you. And then he, <laughs> whatever the fuck he says, he's up against the wall. Yeah. So good. God, man, it was fuck. See? All right, I get it. It was it was a cool combativeness to everybody that mm-hmm. I, I that I feel like 
we all had as teenagers just kind of like, oh, fuck you. Or at the very least, you were afraid of that energy, you know, yeah, running yeah, into yeah. that. Absolutely, absolutely. I thought that was really cool. Um, but the rest of the movie was shit. <laughs> I did. I really did like that last shot, though. Yeah. It almost looked like years later they just put that shot in it. It, mm-hmm. looked, it looked really good. I mean, it looked bad. But it was it, bad, but in a disturbing way. Yeah. Steve, checking in before I watch Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers. So, Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers, <laughs> from 1988. Uh, fresh off the heels of Sleepaway Camp 1, I'm going to watch Sleepaway Camp 2. I seem to recall this one being a little more like in line with a lot of the 80s cheesy slasher flicks, maybe not as much... Dare I say subtext as the first film? I can't lie to you. I'm still angry from the first one. And my friends, quotation mark, friends, suggesting this series as something to watch. The first one had this kind of innocent sleaziness to it. And and this one, just from what I remember about it. Something is happening to me. uh, Back in the day. I did not see it, but I remember reading about it in Fangoria. It seems like maybe it's going to have a jokier tone. The anger that I felt is now turning into some sort of psychotic joy. So I'm looking forward to the second one. We shall see. got finished with uh, Sleepaway Camp 2? Well, a lot can change <laughs> while watching one film. So yeah, absolutely. Just that That's way more in line with like what a lot of these crappy 80s slasher flicks were. I don't know if I can take this anymore. Yeah, I, I can't believe that that is Bruce Springsteen's uh, little sister, Pamela, playing Angela. I know she's in the next one, too, so I guess I've got that to look forward to. There's something here that is a little more conventional, I guess I'll say. Fuck you, Steve. Fuck you, John. I cannot believe this. <laughs> Get out this movie. This is still still an okay idea, but definitely I'm starting to see the flaws in this premise. I, I, I can't imagine the next film being that much better. I also want to give a shout-out to the end song, Desperate to Survive, performed by Obsession. Not sure who that band is, but it seems like a pretty appropriate 80s metal glam, mid-tempo, rock ballad, power, whatever, to close out a great slasher flick. Not that I'm saying this one's great. I think I know why everybody keeps saying that the first one's good, because they've seen the second one, and then it just kind of messes with you. And uh, that's that's Sleepaway Camp on Happy Campers. It's like a, a, a parasite. The second one feels like it comes in and it knows the formula is throw a bunch of characters out into the woods uh, that we don't like. And so we're going to be happy to see them get killed more or less. You know, did and you read the description of that movie? The second one? Yeah. No. It starts with transsexual psychopath, <laughs> Angela, whatever. Right. That's that's the beginning of the description. I can't. Who wrote that? Who? I don't know. It's 
you know, when you take away the mystery, mm-hmm. it's really just we know who the killer is. We know it's Angela the whole time. Right. And so it's more about watching people piss her off or people, like, define right. how they're next in the in the running. But there really wasn't much. It's like they went ahead and swept the whole transsexual thing under the rug. I mean, like. They did. It's well, like because it, she's because she's now a full lady. Right. And she identifies yeah. as one. And it's almost. but Because their parents' taxes paid for it. But it's weird yeah. that the movies treat that as like a thing that makes makes her <clears throat> scary or weird. But they don't really ever grapple with that notion at all. That she was a boy raised as a girl who yeah. now considers herself to be a woman. Is she religious? That's the thing. Like, she kinda, well, the second one, she's very moralistic. She's, she's, it's weird. The, the things that she says, the way she judges people, she's like really harsh mm-hmm. about, don't, you shouldn't dance like that. You shouldn't dress like that. It's super weird, man. It, it well, the very... movie starts off and you think maybe she kind of represents the authority at the, at the camp mm-hmm. when she's like telling campers that's unbecoming and, you know, don't act like that. But then you realize that even her fellow counselors think of her as a as a, a piece person, of shit. Yeah, who kind like of goes too far, right? Yeah, yeah, piece of shit. <laughs> but I mean, like, it takes a minute for you to catch on to that idea that oh wait, no, everyone in this world recognizes that she's kind of an oddball, and she also doesn't really have any friends. Yeah, there's nobody that's really aligned with her necessarily. She's kind of off in her own little world. But there is a montage late in the film that suggests this is when we are supposed to be realizing for sure that she's the Angela from the first film because they flash back to some stuff from the first movie. Yeah. Um, And I thought that was strange. Like, dude, in a movie where it's been clear all along that she's the killer, did we need the montage where she seemingly realizes she's the killer? Like, it was a weird, (laughs) it was a very weird filmmaking thing, but they seem to like recycling footage in these movies. Yes. Uh, Lots of breasts in this one. Yeah, the second one. Now your breasts come in. Thank you. You're welcome. Lots of those. Lots of breasts. And, uh, and they've our, even got our, two little boys. Our, our, our tit patrol. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wrote in here, uh, making up for lack of tits in the first one, and then I wrote yeah. high five in parentheses. And I realized if someone saw that, they would think that I was saying, like, high five. But I was referring specifically to the two boys outside taking Polaroids, and they have a little high five moment yeah. after capturing one, yeah. of the, one of the women running around with her shirt off. But that, that character of Allie, mm-hmm. who is the, um, the, you know, the mean girl in this one, she sort of the, steps in for Judy, um, it's funny that if you had that character in a movie now, she, it would be very hard for the filmmakers not to portray her as kind of like liberated. Right. But in this era, <clears throat> it's definitely she's a she's a bad slut, you know. And it's like the movie seems to be taking the side of Angela on a certain level and saying that this character is bad. Right. right? Yeah, and look right. at the way she uses sex and everything. But I kept thinking, like the way that she like uses that guy sexually, like that would now be played for like light comedy in one of these movies, and we wouldn't be yeah. supposed to. Oh, hate that girl. Who acts like that? Besides, right. I don't think anyone actually does men, act like the characters in men these films. writing characters for women. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so, what would be a, a, a particular moment that stands out to you? I know, Steve, you always have a quote that you that you. I tried to pull quotes out of them. Yeah, <laughs> well, the, the quote for this one was that opening scene where yeah. the, the one when once when she comes in and tells them to like you know put their clothes on. I think the uh, blonde, the second girl. Makes a comment like, "Who's even going to see us, or who who can even see us?" And then it shoots to the two boys outside the window, and, he, and, and he says, "The tip patrol, that's you." <laughs> Give it a high five. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, oh yes, so good. yes, so good." Tip I feel like patrol. honestly, like that movie, like this this specific one, and obviously three follows it. It it sets the tone for like the kind of like more slasher schlocky kind of yeah 80s movies that were kind of come out even opening on like a campfire story much like friday the 13th did and like there's lots of references in this one and the third one to like movies like friday the 13th and i think this one actually i wrote that like there's actually a freddy 
costume, a mm. Jason mask, and she puts on a leather face mask. Yeah. And there's a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Like, they're absolutely calling out, like... When they talked at the lake, they yeah. said it was Saturday the 14th, the 14th yeah. which mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting. I think they do that in the third one, too. Like, oh, they, they definitely call out. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that's funny, though, because I don't think this movie at all, obviously, takes itself seriously. Right. No. But... This one specifically is a marked change. I mean, it came out what five years later. Five years. So I mean, I think this was definitely hitting that that part of the '80s where they were pumping out these movies. I feel like this fits a little more into some of those, like the, any of those camp mm-hmm. movies, you know, like the yeah. and, or even you know where the you know who the killer is, especially when you get into the 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 second, third, fourth entry of these franchises, like. Any of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, you know it starts, and it, and there's some reference of like Jason Voorhees, and you know the killer. Yeah. You know, even if you're not sure of it, maybe at the beginning of this one, I, I didn't for a second think that she was not Angela. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, there's an immediate recognition, not of her physically, but like, oh, she's like mm-hmm. probably who the problem is. Did you, you, know? did, did you did you catch who she's who the actress is? Bruce Springsteen's sister. Yeah. 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 I Which saw is it on IMDb. craziness. But as far as the kind of jokiness, um, I definitely think that that seems to be this director, Michael Simpson, who directed this and the third one, has a much jokier sensibility than Robert Hiltzik, who directed the first and the fifth one. Like, there's a, the, there's, these are less sincere. They're a little bit more... They are. A little bit more geared towards delivering those kills. Another thing that I thought that was kind of interesting as far as referential stuff that you were mentioning, Steve, did you catch all the names of the characters being Brat Packer yeah, names? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's Demi... Mayor, Mayor Winningham yeah. from uh, uh, St. Elmo's Fire. Um, Leah, for Leah Thompson, I guess. Brooke Schott and Jody Schott, the, the Schott sisters. I guess that's supposed to be Brooke Shields and Jody Foster. Foster, yeah. Maybe a little bit older generation there. But Anthony, for Anthony Michael Hall, Judd, Charlie, Phoebe, Amelia, all the, all the way hilarious. down the line. And that Molly, which is, I guess, a reference to Molly Ringwald, sure. is played by Renee Estevez. Who's Amelia wow. Estevez's sister? I didn't realize that. Yes, what? I didn't. I didn't know that that was his sister. That's really interesting. Is she also Charlie Sheen's sister? I think so. Wow. I think it's Ramon, Charles, Charles, and Emilio are the brothers, and she. Yeah, hmm. I think they have the same mother and father. As as uh, as Renee. Can I be honest? Every time I hear the word Emilio, I think of Night at the Roxbury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When Will Ferrell shares his story of meeting Emilio Estevez, <laughs> do, do you out of you remember this at no, all? No, no. He just says like he's telling the girl or somebody, him and Chris Kattan, and he just says something like, "And look, when I turned around, who was it? Emilio, the Mighty Duck Man." And he's like, "Emilio!" <laughs> I don't know. It's it's it's, it's always stands out to me. No matter where I hear the name Emilio, I always hear like, the Roxbury. Way funnier than I just said, but no, it makes me want. That's cool, man. You don't see that. (laughs) It wasn't not funny. It was funny. I thought it was pretty funny. But so you have a character named Emilio. One of the boys with the Polaroids was named Emilio. Oh, and and you have Emilio Estevez's sister. Weird. So why would pretty strange? After she killed them, why would she prop them up on a rope? To like like collecting them. Like to pl- to prank someone who was walking by that way, so that you might think the boys. You know, I mean, she's clearly that whole last scene that you're referring to seems to be set up as sort of a trap for that one remaining counselor. Yeah, I think we did hear That's her name elaborate. at some point, but but I I forgot what it was. But um, I I you know you were pulling quotes, Steve. There were a couple things that stood out for me in this film. For one thing, the um, Angela's motto, which is. Uh, Keep your morals strong and you'll never go wrong. That's something her mother always said to her, which I guess are we supposed to think that's her Aunt Martha? Martha, yeah. always said that to her. And the other thing, I thought this was just bad acting and bad writing and just bad everything, is when she finds the Schott sisters 
uh, drinking and stoned out in the woods, and they're making fun of the Happy Camper song, and they're singing their own like slutty, trashy version of the Happy Camper <laughs> oh my song. God. And their lyrics are, "I am a happy camper. <laughs> I love to drink and fuck. And if you pay me money on my titties, <laughs> you, you can, can suck." suck. And I wrote down. These are bad girls. Yeah. Like don't don't, don't miss a point here, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these yeah. are these are the they're like half passed out, um, and they get burned alive. So you know that's what that's what, that's any, what, girl, that's yeah. what any girl who's going to enjoy a joint and a, and a little bit of vodka out in the Absolutely. woods deserves, right? Um, <sighs> they got natural. And then another little bit of dialogue that is uh, 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 worth recalling is that there's a weird character conjured in just a few few brief moments near the end, a cowgirl that that offers Angela a ride. Uh, before Angela murders her, this character says, I mean, the way I see it, I'm just too dumb to drink and I'm too fat to fuck. <laughs> That's what she's saying about herself. Yeah. yeah. To somebody she just... And that seems to be the moment when, when uh, Angela decides, I'm going to kill this person and then yeah. wear her. She does not hat. believe in herself. Yeah. <laughs> she does not deserve to live. She's going to go. But yeah, extremely weak sauce ending. If you think about the first one, then you get this one and that the ending is just... I don't even remember what the ending The ending is, is when the, the car pulls up with her with uh, uh, Angela wearing the cowboy hat and Molly thinks she's been saved. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then she says, howdy, partner! And then it freezes on that. <laughs> and it's like, you compare that to the first one, it's like it's a complete failure to, to like recreate any sense yeah. of... Well, she's got the same kind of zinger at the end of three, too. Yeah, right. Yeah. She, this... she, she closes these out with these little zingers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This movie takes a nose that... The... Angela, make no mistake, man. This Angela is terrible, yeah. Ter- terrible to the point where, like, it, it it doesn't. It made sense that the person in the first movie would be killing people. Yes. I guess no, it was a weird. Yeah, it was a weird. Like, seemed like something that like it got triggered and happened. Yeah, it didn't seem like here's a person who's going to make a career of like that kind of Hannibal Lecter or Dexter style killing right. where yeah. you go around killing people who deserve to be killed, which seems to be... That's funny enough, uh, thing here. I got compared to Saw, but there's a, I think around the fourth or fifth one. Or the ninth. Or the ninth. <laughs> Do you remember when, uh, did you see all of them? I, I don't remember. Okay, there's a point where at first, the first couple movies, the guy has a motivation. Like there's like people that are morally kind of in the gray. There's like a point where the guy just starts killing people randomly, and that's kind of like us. Uh, they're trying to figure out why they would, why he would do that, and this feels like that. Like it's there's no reason whatsoever. They're bad people for this girl to be killing people. Well, they're breaking the camp rules. Yeah, and she clearly is trying to be. I would think there is some level of wanting to be alone with Molly. There might be some slight yeah, yeah, yeah. something going on there. She some also, attraction. She doesn't deliver the lines very well. It's just something very like. Oh, She's very tossed off. I could see someone enjoying her performance as like campy and kind of light, but I agree. Like, there's no substance to it whatsoever. No. It's just very tossed off. And at no point does she seem to be like physically commanding in a sense that some of these things that she does to kill people sticks. Like, like, at the, like hitting them with sticks, not even looking like she's hitting them hard enough to, to like hurt them, let alone knock them yeah. to death. What were your noteworthy deaths for this film? This one had the lawnmower, right? No, that's the third, third one. one. Okay, fuck it. I don't remember anything from the second one. Um, I can tell you. I'll go ahead and get it started by saying which death, who, who, who I think had the worst death in mm-hmm. this film is definitely my slutty mean girlfriend Allie, who got stabbed in the back a couple times and then drowned in shit. Oh yeah. While oh. leeches are also attacking her, like I don't know how the leeches really made that situation worse yeah. for her, but that seemed to be the, the icing on the cake was that when she gets thrown down in the outhouse and drowned. But she was already that was pretty bad. She, she was already doing pretty like it was that was like a slow, like 
cruel again we were really supposed to hate that character and i think they you know they definitely wrote it to be a despicable character but it was still sort of like just because angela never seemed to be a she's not like a character you have fun rooting for no you know uh, like so her being sort of prudish made a lot of those decisions to kill some of the people seem like ah you know she's being really mean right now yeah this wasn't fun i was like what is going on like this isn't yeah but so that death was was pretty unsettling like it made me think if you were the actor and you found out that was how you died you'd be like well it's kind of like an awful death but it's not like a particularly cool awful death i don't think that was the same person if you if you look at who she was you mean when she's coming out and she keeps getting pushed yes, down it didn't look like the it, same actor it's not the same person and and Aaron and I rewound that like I kept thinking the same times. thing. I was like, "That's not the same person." It didn't look like her. It, it looks like they picked somebody that was fairly attractive, and she was like, "There's no fucking way that I'm going to be in a toilet, and you're going to push <laughs> me down into a toilet." Fuck that! And you're going to have like, fake poopy in my hair. And yeah, everything. I yeah. think they just replaced her. If you look at that shot, it's definitely. I think not. it's called a stunt double. Yeah, but it's it. <laughs> but it doesn't. Look, but it's like a sh- close up of her face. It right, really doesn't you don't look stunt like double her. Yeah. a face. Like you don't go with the right lighting. Like, ah, yeah. <laughs> like, ah, and it's like a, yeah. a really extremely close shot of her face. Oh. That, that was terrible. Fuck that movie. I like, I like the two sisters in the woods. Yeah, like the one waking up to seeing her sister already charred. Yeah, yeah, pretty brutal. Just the notion of being like tied around your neck to a grill in the middle of the woods. <laughs> Fucking so dumb, but. <laughs> Poor TC died with uh, uh, some battery acid thrown in his face, True. but but his glorious mullet was still fully intact when he yeah. <laughs> when he went down. Poor TC. Oh, TC is that a Tom Cruise reference? I wonder. Oh, look at you, John. See now I see all the secret messages. I'm trying to think of the most senseless death was the the girl the tattletale girl who just stumbles on uh, Angela killing Demi uh, and trying to throw her out the window, <laughs> and she's like. <laughs> Oh my god! And then she and Angela turns on her, and she's like, "What did I do? I, well, you're going to kill me, and I didn't do anything." And I felt like that was the the filmmakers acknowledging, like, "Well, now we've broken whatever rules Angela has for killing people." Yeah. Right? And then she says, "Because you'll tell." You know. Did she use floss or something like that? She used uh, a guitar string. To oh, kill, okay. She killed Demi. Yeah. And then she killed the I didn't catch her name, girl. The the the, the tattletale girl. Yeah. Uh, but like she killed her just because she thought she would tell. And I was like, okay, this is the mm. movie at least acknowledging that like these deaths don't make any sense. <laughs> that like in the first one, here's a damaged individual who is killing people that have hurt them specifically. Yeah, yeah. This one was really much more like. That's so wild that all these names line up with the. Those '80s Brad Packers. That's yeah, really that's, cool. It's really cool. There's a. I don't know if you said there's a Charlie. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. Who's the Diane though? Who's Diane? That's in the '80s, like of that crew. Diane Lane. Maybe I don't know. Was don't she know. part of that crew? I think she was in a couple. She was in like um, one of those Tom Cruise early films, wasn't she? All the right moves, or not sure. Something like that. That's wild. It's cool. So actually, I I want to say that movie I think has the most. On screen deaths in it? I think so, yeah, number two. The first one had 11 deaths in it that I counted, and then the second one I got up to uh, 16 deaths in it. But when they talk about those movies in retrospect, in, in the second movie, when they're at Camp Rolling Hills and they're talking about Camp Arawak from the first film, they say that 30 people died. But we didn't see 30 people get killed. No. So maybe that means that Angela kept killing people after that, that right. ending that we saw. And then in the third film, when they look back on the second film, they say 19 people got killed. So there's three extra... So somebody doesn't know how to do math. Well, I just think it means that maybe they just throw out a number. <laughs> it doesn't seem to have anything to do with anything. <laughs> One of the songs is by Anvil. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I only looked for the one song, the Desperate to Survive, the yeah. closing credit song. Mm-hmm. Which song was Anvil's? Straight Between the Eyes. <laughs> oh, wow. Which doesn't even sound like a real title. Doesn't it sound like something translated like into another language and back into back English out, poorly yeah. or something? Um, but I did want to note, too, that the first film, um, you know, on the music tip... The first film had that like a very '80s kind of synthy sounding uh, soundtrack. Not the like this. Mm-hmm. There was an orchestral score, but the songs in it were very synthesizery and very early '80s. Yeah. This movie was definitely in that pocket of heavy metal and horror. Oh yeah. Have been joined. So part two and part three, they they definitely have that whole idea that like, and it never worked for me. Mm. That heavy metal is somehow scary. It just yeah. never worked for me. But that was like a huge thing. Death metal. Right. Yeah. But for like the devil. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uncle Uncle John, I couldn't make out his accent. Yeah, but there were parts where he sounded like Red Fox. He it's confusing like, because her father's name was John, and she was raised by her aunt Martha, and she might have thought of her dad as her uncle John. I kept thinking there was going to be some twist with that guy being yeah. her dad who lived, or maybe even that that guy was. I didn't know Lenny's name at that point, the the, the gay lover. But I thought maybe there was some connection there. But no, and then not only that, but she doesn't seem to have any real affection for the guy either. She just. No unceremoniously kills him off camera yeah but who was that actor like why did they get the guy with the indecipherable like, yeah mediterranean there were parts he had sound like mediterranean and then sometimes he sounded like red fox <laughs> like it is a big one he's a big one you gotta take care of the campus i was like what the fuck are you talking about i didn't really understand his accent it changed mm-hmm. and i think that's just it just feels like this is a piece of shit i, I keep saying this about everyone we're talking about but no, this is every, well, we wanted to rent a horror movie type yes. experience for yes. me when I was a kid. Like, w- we would get a couple of movies, and sometimes it would be one we'd heard of that was supposed to be good, and then maybe this would be one. Maybe I, I would have read about it in Fangoria, or I, I would have seen some of the effects from it, and I would have known, oh, there's supposed to be a scene where someone gets their eyes pulled out or whatever, yeah. you know. But in general, I would think I would say this movie is, yeah, this is the one that fits the most into that that sort of cliched space of... 80s slasher film. Who is the person on the front of this on Sleepaway Camp 2? Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3, neither one of them have Pamela Springsteen. That's on what the I cover. thought. Yeah. I, that, that, I'm like, this person is not the person. Yeah. And then neither Just was the more attractive. Yeah, yeah. Something to get you to rent the movie. Right, 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 right. But I remember. It's not, like a, those romance novels where they put yeah. somebody really, really. It's crazy. I remember that cover of her turning around with the Freddy's glove and I remember the mask. that too. Like, I remember seeing that so many different places and, like, ads in Fangoria magazine and, and in the – but, you know, I, I never picked it up. It always looked to me like, oh, I don't really want to see a movie that's necessarily spoofing yeah. these other films. But to see that that was really not much of a part of it. But I love those two guys so excited about their prank. They were going to scare Angela. Yeah. And he's like, I've got a plan to how to scare Angela. <laughs> and he was, like, painting on the mask. Wow. Which, but why? Because later he's just wearing a plain white mask. And their plan it had was gr- – It had green on the side. Oh. I don't know if you noticed that. I was like, what is he doing? That's like slight green on the side. He painted that on there. <laughs> what the fuck would he do that? He was in like arts and crafts, and they were like so proud of themselves. <laughs> Did she bash his face in? I think so. Because it had like yeah. a, it yeah. had like an effect. Like, mm-hmm. oh God, but was... then later they found. Well, they... in the next movie they find the hockey mask. Yeah, and it's not. It's not beat it's up not at all. Beat up. So it's like not the same one. That confused right. me so much. I guess we're going to jump now from unless anybody has anything else to say about unhappy campers. Nope. We can jump on no. to uh, Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. So, sitting down to watch 
Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. Closing out the trilogy of what once was a trilogy. Um, obviously, there's more entries that we're going to keep going with. So far, I've been disgusted, disappointed, bored, quite frankly. But I'm sticking it out. But one of the things I'll say that is, is good about these movies is, is sitting down to watch them. They're all around 80 minutes long. Uh, that's, that's at least a very watchable length uh, for something that may not be that great. I'm looking at the poster. There is a very top-heavy woman with the words Sleepaway Camp 3 in a very neon yellow with a knife. So I know that there's, there's boobs. There's knives with blood just on the tip. The first one was in 83, and then the second one was in 88, and that was a bigger difference. This is 89, so this will be right on the heels of the last film. In many ways, I expect it to just sort of pick up the tone of that movie. I'm, I'm exhausted at this point. Um, I'm hoping that there's a little redemption in part three. I feel like there's a lot of racism in this one, but I can't remember. Um, so, so here goes Sleepaway Camp number three. I'm trying to sound a little more optimistic than the last time. Sleepaway Camp 3, guys. Um, thank you, Steve and John, for this uh, pleasant experience. Angels are pretty, angels can fly, and here is an angel that can make you die. You've got no style, you've got no flair. All you do is fight and swear, so say your prayers and make amends, because your life story is about to end. Well, fuck. That was racist as shit. Wow. Just finished Sleepaway Camp 3. <laughs> oh. It is the most racist horror film I've seen in a while. What have we done? I've got two more of these things to watch. Shout out to Maria and her milkshake tattoos on her boobs. Uh, in the opening scene, that was pretty cool. Two and three are exactly the same, except the roles change slightly. For my quotes for this one, Angela, I think it was to whatever the girl was, the, the male counselor or the male owner of the camp was hooking up with. Good thing you're dead, because in a couple of years, your breasts would have been sagging something terrible. Way to do her a, a good deed, uh, Angela. The insanity continues. I can't even imagine what the... The fourth and final installment of this movie will be like. I'm gonna have to take a walk around the block and clear my head before I move on to part four because this is a this is a lot of uh, <laughs> C grade filmmaking to take in. Fuck that movie was racist. I'm sad. It's hard to know what the movie makers were thinking here. Teenage Wasteland. What With, a great subtitle. Which title? Yes. Subtitle. And it's and the character says it. That's something I thought Ronald would appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, I left that on my memo. The punk rocker, right? And can Snow I? Boy. Here's, here's something Snow that, boy. that might blow your mind because you know this is something that we should always consider. Uh, is when we can do this, draw these connections. We should. We are. This podcast is one degree away from Sleepaway Camp Three because really? I had a small role in a zombie film uh, that some friends friends in Alabama made. Really? And uh, a guy with a much larger role in that is Kyle Holman, who plays Snowboy. Snowboy, get out of really? here. Really? Yep. I don't have any scenes. So you guys with him. are tight? You know, actually. Why did we not get him on the show tonight? <laughs> I act, if I had found out soon enough, <laughs> I actually might have tried to get a little phoner with him or wow. something to say, like, can you offer some insight into yeah. the making of these movies at all? So maybe if, if it ever happens, you know, like I said, I don't. We worked around each other, and there were people we worked with that were much closer to either one of us than we ever were to each other. Right. Like, but he, he might know, he, might, he would remember me, I think. Gotcha. 
Um, but I would remember him a little bit Who more because you, he was kind of more well known around town just for being an actor in oh, general okay. in those days. But I'd never gotcha. seen him when he was this young. Like when I knew him, he was an older, kind of more thickened up guy. Oh wow! So seeing him play like, you know, skinny Stoneboy. like. Like doing that kind of broad Chicago accent or whatever. He's like, I'm from Chicago and they call me Snowboard. <laughs> he does that like, yeah. I'm the crazy guy giggle. But that to me, again, knowing him and knowing that he's kind of like a stage actor, I believe they might have had a lot of actors in these films who were doing something very like over the top on purpose, you know? But there's some definite like, now we're going to get into in, in this third one in, the, in Teenage Wasteland. Um, we're going to get into some of the, the fun stereotyping and, and super cliched roles that, that they've had in these films. I would say the first two are pretty good about not overdoing that. Maybe, I right. mean, maybe the second one yeah, is more yeah. like, it's more about the, the, the slut shaming. Yeah. yeah. This third one is much more about like, Ooh, he's a Mexican and, and, yes. and like, okay, I actually put in my notes, we, you know, like when it happened, it's like, oh my gosh, we have a sighting of a black guy with a boom box <laughs> and a switchblade and, and a gun and a gun. Jesus Christ, and a gun. <laughs> and the way that he reveals the gun is so funny. He's like in a tent and he just takes it from under like a blanket and he, he points. He didn't want to. He didn't want to clean the fish. <laughs> That's what pushed him over to actually show his gun that he was carrying the whole time. She had the audacity to ask him to clean some fish to do a little bit of work, huh? That, what's crazy? I don't want like, to clean the fish. God, that is the so... lady called him all kinds of. And bombs. Well, and at she... least we know that she's supposed There's... to be like we're supposed to not like that about her, right? right like right, that's right, clear, right. but it still it still surprises you when it happens. Yeah, you know? and it, and she keeps. Yeah, I'm pretty sure didn't aren't didn't they not use like every racist slur they could think of in this movie? Pretty sure they did. I, I, I mean, I took some notes, and there's some pretty uh, <laughs> the pretty big vocabulary in this film. Mm. I'm trying to think. Was the God. Was and the it's Latina like right woman the was yeah. she was she on the right side of the tracks or the wrong side of the tracks? Because which the, one? The Latino woman, the woman who was with uh, uh, Herman. He flashed his his Playboy belt buckle at her, and she just lost it. <laughs> was that was that supposed to think that he was also a gang member? But it, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He had a bandana. And again, that's Michael J. Ba- Michael J. Pollard, who's like a character actor that you would recognize from certain things. Right. He yeah. played Herman, and he was like barely in it, you know. And also, why? Why after he after she murdered the Asian lady and replaced her, mm-hmm. and the truck moved out of the way? Maria, big, right? Yeah, yeah, Angela's back. Yeah. What? I love that. What? I'm okay, so, so the confused. beginning of the film opens up with the weirdest. <laughs> I forgot about that. Angela's back. It's like it's like spray painted. It's yeah, like spray painted it, in red. Oh my god! What? Yeah, I forgot that part. <laughs> that All just... the graffiti and spray paint in this yeah. film is great. Yeah, this, the third one has definitely got a spray paint theme to it. Wow. it hold on. So that may, did you notice all of the? Uh, the, the okay, so the, when they're in the like communal eating area, mm-hmm. there's just cocaine on the wall. Somebody mm-hmm. just puts cocaine in spray paint. Like, why would somebody just put cocaine on the... And why wouldn't the counselors take that down? It's just a bunch of weird... Yeah. Is this what adults thought teenagers acted like back I in the day? I think in a weird way, but it also... It's when you get a bunch of kids around a bunch of other kids, they do form these weird little cast systems and stuff. So it's a combination of an adult's fantasy of what kids were doing. Yeah. And then the actual young people on set conjuring up this right. mood, you know. But yeah... um, I thought it was interesting that this movie started with like a very strange, gratuitous tit shot, 
Milkshake. Milkshake, where we see that she's got yeah. milk tattooed on one breast and shake tattooed on the other. Um, and then the mo- the weirdest motivation I feel like ever for going to camp, at this point it wasn't clear to me that there was this New Horizons camp that was supposed to be for troubled kids. Mm-hmm. But she just says, I'm going to camp and I might not ever come back. And she leaves. And I was just like, what the hell is going on here? You know. Yeah. So anyway, she gets run down by Angela. And Angela is clearly going to pose as her uh, when she goes to camp, right? And yeah. Angela is wearing her outfit. Like she's got a wig to look like her and she's yeah. got the I Love New York t-shirt. But the woman is still wearing the wearing outfit. Wearing the clothes. She's still wearing them when she gets crushed. Yeah. So that means Angela had a replica outfit. <laughs> John, she did her homework. That okay. she didn't even have to wear because who yeah. knows what this person was going to be wearing when they showed up. Oh like God, nobody knew what, so what her outfit was supposed to be. And they used like special effects for the blood. It wasn't like actually trickling down liquid. They used like they post, in post they put trickling yeah. mm. Why? I, I just wanted to know why. I always think about stuff like this, and it's probably I should never think this deeply into a horror film. But, like, a truck is – a big truck is chasing <laughs> you down the street. Like, you run into the street. Yeah. You have to run away from the truck, obviously, yeah. right? I mean, you ought to get in the street. Why don't you just run the other way on the sidewalk? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I the mean, the truck, truck's never going to get you. Yeah. If you just Ever. go to the other side of the street, the truck has to do a U-turn and cannot kill you. What? <laughs> Think about it. If she just beeline to the other side, I know the truck would have to, and then just run up the other way, and and no one is paying attention to this. Yeah, no no one's aware this truck is driving over cars on the sidewalk. This is the first movie that I've ever seen in my life where there were so many deaths in broad daylight, in a way that I and people screaming, Mm -hmm. screaming at the top of their lungs, and not not no one noticing. Yeah. Somebody got killed in a in a, in like a city area. Yeah. No one yeah. noticed this girl getting chased. Right. But she went in the alley. Was that, that, that say something about like, New York City though? Yeah. As though it was like so. Mad Max era or something right. like that. Like this is just a crazy town, you know, where all this stuff happens. Killer trucks. Right. It's crazy, man. I like the uh, the newscaster that that asked for some cocaine. Yeah. Because she says it's been a real shit of a day. who says that nobody who says that (laughs) also the longest news report ever where you introduce interview everyone it's not just a news story about the new camp opening up it's for troubled kids we're gonna find out which 19 kids are attending camp this year right um also the the beats that the black guy was was listening to all just (laughs) instrumental yeah I, which really weirded me out. Uh, sh- <sighs> did, did you notice that in the credits, um, there was actually someone credited with writing Angela's rap? Oh, oh my God. God. Lyrics so by Mac it. the Duke. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, <laughs> Mac the Duke. That person got paid mm-hmm. to write that. Let's say, if he, let's say he got paid $20. Yeah. Twenty dollars too much. Right, that's fucking terrible, man. Another song by Anvil in this film, actually. By the way, really, this one has wild eyes in it. So they were keeping Anvil in business. Wow. So what was the directors? Michael Simpson or whatever. Yeah, must, I guess in both must, cases. Yeah. yeah, but maybe we'll find some Anvil connection if we dig into Michael Simpson. Um, but also, this movie does the sort of. Um, Thing that a lot of these franchises do and it brings back like a character connected to one of the characters from the previous film this movie brings in barney whitmore uh the father of sean whitmore right. from the from the second movie uh, and he's like vindictive he like wants to kill angela but his reasoning is that he never spent time with his own son and now he's going to make up for that by spending time with these kids at this these troubled kids at this camp yeah 
So again, like that character seemed like he was headed for something a little bit more than eventually yeah. what happened. You know? And Angela actually brings it up. Like yeah. your son, your son screamed when he died. Something mm-hmm. like that and yeah. pissed him off. He was pretty. He was a pretty fit dude, man. But he died in such a weird way. I just didn't understand. Why. Nothing. You're not going to try. It's very. He's like, so how are you going to try to kill? Goes down the list. Yeah, (laughs) all the way. She's like, no, I've got a gun. Shablamo. Yeah, and he just. And who can we thank for bringing that gun into the situation? (laughs) (laughs) Riff. What's his name? The the black guy. (laughs) Who's like famous for listening to those obnoxious rap beats all the time. Very simple Casio beats. I think they just pressed yeah. the pre-programmed, yeah, ones? the yeah. pre-programmed thing, and just played that as the beat. I like that, that was spirit. your calling, John, right? Yeah, I like his spirit though. That like if somebody just throws the tape in your tent, just put it on, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> so I'm trying to think of who had the best death or the worst death in this. Definitely the EMT and the bloodthirsty cop at the end uh, who get killed in the back of the ambulance with like a gentle jabbing with a plastic syringe. That's mm. not even like a. It's like it's yeah. just a, like that would be like ow, yeah. you know, <laughs> and it kills two guys. It's instant death. Yeah. That was. So and then the driver weird. says, "What's going on back there?" And she says, "Taking care of business in that delightfully tossed off, underacted way that we've Gosh, come to love." Awful, from man. <laughs> Springsteen. She's fucking awful. And then that's the end. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Lawnmower is my favorite. Yeah, Lily, I believe is her name. Yeah, the. The lady that was trying to keep it all hush-hush? Yeah, buried up to neck in the trash pile and then run over by a lawnmower. She died in slow motion, which really makes me uncomfortable. That's another drawn-out death, though, where you can just see it coming and then she's like... If if I push you into uh, a a pile of trash bags, you aren't going to, like... Drown in it. It's, it's very weird. It's like if you turned you a turtle. If you turned a turtle upside down, she's just kind of flailing mm-hmm. in a way that you wouldn't flail if you were in a pile of trash. Just didn't make. She was sense. really lazy, though, Ronald. Okay, yeah, yeah. She yeah. had them fishing for her. She had them getting everything. I love trash the, bags. The justification, like we're eating fish and she's eating steak. Yeah. What a bitch. What a bitch. <laughs> what a bitch. What a bitch. I know they've made fish sound like it was like the worst, right. most yeah. rancid thing he could yeah. possibly eat. She's out there eating steak. Nastiest looking steak. It's just a very thin. That's bad. Yeah. I guess the lawnmower death is probably, yeah, yeah I'd probably go with the same. So, I do. I do love the scene with the the, the male, the owner, uh, whatever his name is, Mel. No, not Mel. Um, you know the guy, the older guy, that's hooking up with the girl in the tent. Yeah, Herman. Herman. The new guy. Yeah. That's just that's just a funny death scene. Yeah. Yeah. Like the stick. Talk about the stick. Yeah. yeah. Like just chasing him around with the a stick, hitting, hitting her with a stick. Yeah. Shoving a stick through his mouth, yeah. sort of, but not really clear what happened. Yeah. There. Yeah. Um, a very he ambiguous move. death. He just. I don't know what she did to him that he wouldn't be moving. Mm-hmm. At that point. Yeah. It's very weird. It's like he stumbles around because his pants are around his ankles. Right. And she gets him. But again, it doesn't seem like she gets him that hard. And then no. he's laying there going, ah, ah. And yeah. then she does something that, yeah, it looked like she was sticking it in his mouth. But it was, like, framed poorly. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then also, like, the guy with the firecracker up his nose. And then the uh, and then Snowboy yeah. gets uh, gets hit with uh, – he also gets hit with a, a stick, stick or a log. And kind of goes, oh. And then it's apparent later that he's alive when she throws him in the tent and she sets it on fire. Yeah. But, yeah, she doesn't really have much of a – like, it's just it's just like, I'm going to – I got to kill all these characters. So yeah. I got to get on this. You know, like, that's the story of this film is just 
her deciding it's time to kill everybody. And then luring people to other campsites. Like, yeah. uh, oh, she told me she wanted to swap. Mm-hmm. It just got a little weird after a while. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like this had no purpose. But Barney didn't buy it. Yeah. He was like, let's go back. Yeah. Yeah. I need to talk to her yeah. because she wants to stay with me. I need yeah. to get shot at close range, not even really trying to defend myself yeah. at all. Yeah. Was he a sheriff? I think he was the sheriff, yeah. or at least he had been a cop. Okay, yeah. Okay. Because he was involved in... Right. Because in the earlier film, Sean in, in part two said his dad was involved in arresting Angela. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Was that TC or TJ? No, TC. TC was a counselor. TC was the, the head counselor the, the in, the, in the second one. Oh, fuck it. Don't don't worry about it, man. <laughs> we'll just keep moving. I watched all of these You'll in one night. Forget this when we're done. All of these in one night. And my fuck my brain just Hello. Um Sleepway Camp 4. I don't remember anything about this fourth one, The Survivor. While I am very very curious about Sleepaway Camp 4, The Survivor. Didn't read anything about the plot. I don't care at this point. For some reason, I find myself uh, doing anything I can think of uh, to put off (laughs) starting this film. I'm not really sure why that is. Maybe it's because I'm starting to get a little gun shy. I remember it was in a box that I bought at Best Buy. I don't even know if I've ever watched it, so this may be the first time I'm watching this. I have since uh, started cleaning my home office. Um, Hopefully it's better than... The last two I saw. I've done a little bit of laundry. I'm in too deep. I gotta do this. And I have actually even considered scooping the litter box. I'm so far in. I'm so deep into this. I'm so enthralled in this series that I kind of have to go through with it. Sleepaway Camp 4, The Survivor. Here I come. Gotta do it. (laughs) All right. Here goes nothing. Wow, it is ridiculous. So I just got finished watching uh, Sleepaway Camp 4, The Survivor, which is the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen. It's just spliced together scenes from the first three movies. I just watched uh, Sleepaway Camp 4, The Survivor, and um, I'm sort of reconsidering my whole life's path that brought me to the point. I actually watched this uh, this movie. Fuck this movie. Fuck you guys. But I did watch the whole thing, even though 75% of it was footage I'd already seen. It basically looked like a Skinamax movie or something mixed with these random scenes from the first three Sleepaway Camps. It's really unclear what this character has to do with the other movies and what was going on with the Ranger. I don't know what you guys got me into. I feel like... I've lost something. <laughs> I can't quite figure out what it is. <laughs> but I've lost something watching these movies. The scene of the girl, like, standing along the tree with her black, dangerous panties and bra. I don't know what you guys have done to me. It has me afraid for the quality of return to Sleepaway Camp. Because if things got worse from here, or lower budget from here, I'm not even really sure what that what that would look like. I just found out... Sadly, that there's a return to Sleepaway Camp, and I'm probably going to watch that. Uh, uh, wow. I don't, even, I don't even know what to say. She goes, uh, uh, yeah, I'm stuck. 
what the hell was that? When you got to the end of Teenage Wasteland and you thought, well, it can't really get any worse than this. It can. And it did. <laughs> How and dare it, you think that? Intensely so. Like, to the point where, like, I could not watch the whole thing in a way that felt you look like a robot right now. I could what not. are you doing with your <laughs> body? You are not. The movie was so uncomfortable. Is it good. a movie? No. It's not. You right? know what it reminds me of? Um, I watched this this film when I was younger that just was a collection of um, scenes from horror films that were like uh, scariest. It was like a Showtime special. Mm-hmm. It was like scariest moments in the horror film history. Yeah. And it was just like a collection of. They used to do that. Yeah. yeah these yeah, really yeah, yeah, awful moments. And it was it was really well done. Mm-hmm. This was not well done. Who who edited this? I don't. I think here's what happened. <laughs> Somebody was going to make a movie that that they didn't finish shooting, and that's where that blatant like video production. Yeah, like, it was like rapper sort of Skin Max. Yeah. yeah, but like very like like really bad. It looked like shot on VHS level, uh, and then they years later completed it by editing in the other. The other footage from the other movie, so like that could have been large, done. but like sixty percent of it or more was just the was other the old prior footage. scenes, yeah. and so the footage that we got that was new tells a story that's so incoherent, yeah. That and it sets up the idea by saying there's this character named Allison that who, got sent off, right? Who she sounds was... like Angela after more treatment? The Angela in the second and third movie uh, has has successfully finished her treatment and it, like she's gotten out of the insane asylum and she's had the fully she's fully gone over to new gender assignment you know she's had the surgery to be a woman biologically and uh and um it's significantly and, and so, more attractive so so then the right you gotta throw that part out. then between part three and part four there's this character named allison who they say at the beginning then the opening crawl it's like but who is allison yeah. really which really makes you think it's going to be angela because she seems to be remembering the whole story is her just remembering things wasn't she the woman that got sent away she was the one that the one that survived that remember when she was just sending people sending people away she's in, the one in, that in actually got, yeah she was the one that, that actually got go sent home. away yeah no because they she was there for... because her memories were Going back to the first movie. Like, her memories go... She would be like, I remember... And all the stuff she remembered it spanned all three movies. So I think Didn't that- the scroll say something about, like, she was a survivor of the camp mass... Like, they yeah. Kinda are- you know, I have the scroll. So let's, uh, yeah, let's consult the scroll. <laughs> it said, I thought it said something like that she survived or... But who is Allison? Yeah, yeah. Like, I thought she was the girl. He sent her back to the camp. I, I agree with you, Ronald, that when they showed that footage of the girl being sent home, I thought that's where they were going. I literally but it really she, doesn't make sense if you think about it. Um, I literally thought she said, and then I left the camp. Allison is a woman without an identity. She is plagued by horrific nightmares, fragments of twisted memories blocked by selective amnesia. After numerous visits and hypnosis sessions, I was able to research the source of her night terrors. I advised her that she is very likely a survivor of a series of sleepaway camp massacres which occurred over the past decade. The killer, named Angela, was never found. With her psyche no closer to being unlocked, I strongly suggested she return to the campsite for an afternoon. It's now federal land, and I've arranged for the forest ranger, Jack. (laughs) My last name Jack was so good. The forest ranger, Jack, to meet her there. So I feel like it's it's, but I, I feel like it's designed to make us think. 
That's Angela. Who is it? Because my hope is that if she's able to see the scene of the crime, she will remember them and overcome them, and in doing so, discover who she really is. But who is Allison, really? Well, I think um, if you look at IMDb, Mm -hmm. Carrie Chambers is credited as Angela Baker slash Allison Kramer. Right. So. But the story of the movie makes no sense. Even don't, the, don't, even the, don't, even don't, the tiny don't bit that we story, see, John. even the tiny bit that we see, there's, don't do that. there's Jack the Ranger, who clearly she thinks she's going to make out with, and then she has second thoughts when he's going too fast or too far. Slow down. And she, then she leaves, and she encounters. Is a that hunter. like Paul? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. <laughs> who knows? Maybe he sewed his head back. <laughs> no, 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 not Paul, but like Paul. Oh. Like that triggered. Oh, you're right. Oh, okay. oh you're right. Triggered you're right. her. Mm. Mm. So she runs into the woods and encounters Eugene the Hunter. Who doesn't really seem to do anything bad. No. But later she comes... He offers to help, I think. Yeah, he offers to help once he realizes that she's a woman in need of help and not a deer or whatever he thought he was stalking. Whose blouse is half ripped yeah, open. Right. Yeah, And then later she finds him and she says something like, you'll do what I say, I'm in control now. Does she kill him? Yes. Okay, see, I couldn't she tell. She kills the yeah, hunter. Kills but I just yeah. remember there was a close-up of his of his crotch like yeah. he it's like cuts to him doing something with his gun and the, they cut to it's reminiscent I think of the first film with all the nut cut shorts going on but it's just like this guy's you know like clearly one ball on one side and one ball on the other crotch um, but and also shot on the cheapest video and the then cheapest. she goes and she confronts Jack the Ranger and says something like tells him off and then later she seems to kill him because we see his head in the cabin from like part, posed part like two with all did. the yeah. with all the bodies that she had, so it's like it makes no sense. It attempts, I think, to I, I you think know it, what if the movie had hundred percent, she's Angela, yeah, because at the moment that she kills the hunter, she's got the white bra and panties on, yeah. And then when she goes back to Jack, she's wearing black bra and panties. Oh, you're right. She's why is she, she killing tacked in into outfit? it, and she's like Angela now. Why is she? I have a feeling that whatever footage they didn't shoot. Might have explained why she's running around in a bikini, but it might not have. My impression is that she's Jesus like a swimsuit Christ. model or something who they just got to be in this movie. And like, oh who knows what the movie would have been? Did you notice that her narration sounded like it was recorded like down the hall from yes. somebody, like standing in a bathroom? Who am I? Who am I? What am I doing? It all sounded like that. It was very bad. Let's not talk about that one anymore. Please. But it's infuriating. I mean, I think that that's, that film was infuriating. That was the first note I wrote down. It was like this. This is not a movie. Okay. So the, here, the, the fan site sleepawaycampmovies dot com, which I referenced a lot for these. Really. The, does not acknowledge this film. Yeah, I would FBI. not. Okay. I would sure not acknowledge there. it. So we'll get back to some of the family ties here now. In Do this it. film, when it shows the footage from the other films, and it re-edits it a little bit, but mm-hmm. it shows the scene of Aunt Martha talking to Ricky and Angela before they leave for camp in the first movie, and she says the thing about, since your father left or whatever. There's right. some reference to the right. father leaving. And then there's a quick cut to Angela's father in bed with Lenny. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts back to Aunt Martha talking about... So that new context implies that Aunt Martha, when she talks about her husband leaving her, she's either talking about Lenny or John, Angela's father. In Sleepaway Camp 1, mm-hmm. when John and Lenny... Or when Lenny yells the John from the shore... No, he doesn't yell. He says, John. John. <laughs> no, no, no. When he yells out to him, oh, once they oh, flip right. the boat... Yeah. He says the doc is coming. Uh-huh. Doc is Aunt Martha. Oh. And he says, and the kids say, oh, Aunt Martha's coming. Mm-hmm. And they say, is Ricky coming? And John says, no, he's with his dad this weekend. Oh. So. See, but, but, I, I, so, uh, but you're backing me up. I'm saying that when they threw that shot in, mm-hmm. in the fourth one, they didn't know 
They didn't know either. I don't think they know the story of the movies. I think it's whoever, very possible. I think whoever <laughs> edited part because I'm yes, you're, I'm I'm 100 percent agreeing yeah. with that. What yeah. I'm saying is by throwing by in part four by showing that quick shot of them in bed together, Lenny and John in bed together. Uh, it implies that she's talking about one of those two it men. It does. You're right. So what I'm saying is I think the people who edited part four don't understand part one as well as you just illustrated <laughs> and as well as we understand part one. And the movie's put together so poorly, it's possible to believe that they themselves either underst- yeah. understood poorly or, yeah. or are trying to create some kind of new alternate idea that that there's something going on there. But yes, okay, I yeah, so clearly that's, that's yeah. an erroneous edit if whatever they were doing. They but were, the question that I have... Is how is Aunt Martha their aunt? Is John her brother? Mm-hmm. Is John's brother the divorced husband? Mm. Or is Angela and Peter's mother Aunt Martha's sister? It Jesus. doesn't matter at all. But I'm just curious. <laughs> You're right because it's not clear. Because <laughs> is, is this the way people feel when people are trying to talk about the order of Fast and Furious and people are like, fuck you <laughs> yeah. for trying to... But yeah, you're right. There, but here's the difference: Fast about... and the Furious, which I still have yet to see. You but, need but, to. But those movies what are in ma- the actual. Those movies are, are made are this. made with some deliberation that they know when they're doing right. that. They're like, this right. one takes place between two and three, and they're right. doing some homework to make it work, whether right. it works really yeah. or not. But this is like evidence of flagrant disregard for any sense of like <laughs> continuity or making sense out of it. And the fact that they threw that shot in just shows me that yes, even the people working on these movies didn't bother to fully parse yeah. what was happening. It's in, like somebody in the told film. somebody the plot of the film, hadn't seen it, and just tried to make the best yeah. version of a film with the footage that they got. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Let's- so. The ultimate example of fuck this movie, except we can't even call it a movie. Yeah, you know? no, it's not no, a we movie. Can't. <laughs> it's not a movie. Two thousand eight. Return to sleepaway camp. I've started this war with myself, and I have to finish it up. All right, I think I'm ready for the final installment. I had a, had a little bit of rest, and I've uh, you know paced around, and I've come to terms with uh, what what my life has become. Now, Return to Sleepaway Camp, I remember seeing a few years back. Slightly excited to see it. I remember back in the day, maybe eight, ten years ago, whatever it was. I remember being very disappointed. This is the fifth and final movie seems that the franchise is back in the hands with this film of the the man who originated the concept for the first movie. And I did read somewhere in my very superficial research that uh, with this Return to Sleepaway Camp film, um, the goal was to ignore all of the sequels. I'm trying not to come in this with the rage, with the baggage, the emotional baggage of the last movie. I'm curious to see if it's just as disappointing as I remember. All I'm kind of hoping for is new kids, a new scenario, something that does not try to build off of what was going on in in The Survivor. So I'm going to begin this movie with an open mind and an open soul, and I'll let you guys know what I think. My guard is up, but I'm ready. Uh, Sleepaway Camp 5. Oh, man. I watched that. Uh, this one's starting with a bunch of kids lighting their farts on fire. I was like, okay, this could be fun. 
And um, this movie is basically like the equivalent of lighting a fart on fire. It's just like you just laugh at it and then you forgot you did it, I guess. Hopefully no one got hurt doing it. It all comes full circle. I feel a great deal of relief. I think it had the lowest body count of any of the Sleepaway Camp films. I feel like of all of the five that I've seen, the first and the fifth are the best. And I never thought I would ever say that about any of these movies. Uh, the ending was clearly an attempt to return to the what-the-fuckness of the ending of the first one. But, uh, yeah, this closes it out. I mean, I hope... I, I can't wait to hear what Ronald thought of it. And, and even John, I don't know if he's seen all of them or not. <laughs> it would be nice to somehow do this and inadvertently see great films. But in this case, I don't think there was much chance of that. I can't wait to talk to you guys about this. I can just imagine Ronald's reaction to these movies. Maybe even that he developed like a new level of fuck this movie. I believe in him, so I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't let me down. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just glad I have uh, sort of completed this assignment. So yeah, that was Sleepaway Camp. And that was actually pretty fun. I gotta say, it was pretty fun. Return to Sleepaway Camp, which is from 2004. Actually, it came out in like 2008, but I think it was filmed in 2004. And this is with the original director coming back mm. to write and direct it. And I think you can definitely see the fingerprints of the original yeah. film on this one. And I would say one of the things that it once again does, interestingly, whether it's well or not, I don't know, but it does depict this really mean-spirited world of kids where there's just constant bullying and where there's sort of a kill-or-be-killed sensibility. Which, again, I feel like this is the kind of horror film that if I'd seen this when I was a young kid, it would have freaked me out. Not because of how scary it was, but because of how I would just be like, man, everyone seems so awful. Like, yeah. everybody in it was just a gross person. There really weren't many characters you could root for. Petey. Very true. Petey? Yeah. But yeah, you're right. The yeah. difference between the first one and this one is it's very obvious what the twist is going to be based on someone's makeup. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it made me feel so weird. Here's what I wrote in my notes very early in this film, and I wrote them, I might as well have put it in quotes, but I, I, you know, there's something odd about that cop. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cop was so frail. His hands were so small mm -hmm. and dainty mm -hmm. that it, it was very uncomfortable. Yeah. But the twist was cool, though, because at this point, you did you didn't see this person for so long that you're like, that can't be. You weren't sure they were going to bring back the original actress. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I didn't know who was going to be under that makeup. I was pretty sure it wasn't Pamela Springsteen right. because she didn't seem like tall and kind of lanky like her. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. But I didn't know what, I didn't know for sure that it was, I knew it was a woman under there. Yeah. I didn't know for sure it was going to be Angela. I was reasonably sure, but I didn't know totally for sure. And I didn't know they would have the original actress back, but they do have the actress from the first one back. Same same as we have Ronnie from the first one back. Same as we have Ricky from the first one back. And we also have, like, stunt casting with uh, Isaac Hayes <laughs> as the chef for no reason. He's in, like, one half a scene. Yeah. And then also Vincent Pastore, who I, at, at this time, I believe Sopranos was happening. Yes, absolutely. So this yeah. was clearly, like, was this the sort of job that he didn't think he'd have to take after finishing The Sopranos? Because... You know, it just seems like this would not be a role you would take after doing that, but I think Big Pussy was off the show within the first few seasons. I think the, the chef um, in this one, too, the, 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 the second chef, 
the guy who gets boiled in oh, the yeah, grease. Oh, yeah, he's like a comedian or something, right? <laughs> I think he was also, yeah, though. Yeah, I've seen him on something. I think he was also on uh, The Sopranos, though, as like a thug or oh, something. Oh, okay. Like, you know, just more hmm. of a background Mickey character. or Mikey? Yeah, hmm. Mickey. Mickey. But so this time it's Camp Manabe? Yeah. So it's been a different camp in each movie, and I realize that that is maybe something they've been doing on purpose. The first one had Camp Arawak. The second one had Camp Rolling Hills. The third one had Camp New Horizons. The fourth one had... Some remnant of a camp. Yeah, Jack the Ranger on government land. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then we have Camp Manabe in, in this one. Where do we start with this film in that, in that it does seem like it is an attempt to sort of rescale the same heights as the first one. It can't possibly... The ending can't really match the first one, but it does attempt to. Yeah. And the other thing I did that was very strange to me is this character of Alan is like... Do you remember when I talked about the character from uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. the annoying brother in the yeah. wheelchair, and how he's like, you would think that the sort of differently abled character would be a character you would use to show them overcoming adversity instead of saying, no, we're going to make this guy the most annoying douchebag in the movie. I feel like Alan in this is that. And it almost is an interesting thing to do, to say, here's a repulsive human being. Because Alan is repulsive. Like, from the first time we see him, he's whiny. He's he's such a bad person, he can't even find a shirt that's not filthy. And no one even bothers to put a clean shirt on this kid. Right. And he's, like, a bully to other people. And he's rude. And he's coming on really strong with the girls. And yet everyone's so mean to him that the movie... Like, it. I really didn't know... I did yeah. not feel sympathetic towards anybody no. in this film. And the... <sighs> Two characters really bother me. The the guy that the, the I guess the pair of guys that got really high and the black lady in it. What what was that? What was Did you notice that one of the guys, the big the biggest stoner, did you notice his name was Weed? Weed? <laughs> no. I recognize that was, kid. Oh, no, no, it was Stan. Yeah. Stan and Weed. That well, then they call him Blowjob. Yeah, they called the they yeah. called Alan, Alan Blowjob after I him. I didn't like that. That 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 was weird to me. After getting him to smoke shit. I just wonder at what point when you've taken a role <laughs> do you find out like, oh, you are the obnoxious, fat, gross shit. guy that everyone hates. And then you're you're crying and whining and smoking shit. And talking to frogs. And talking to frogs and everyone's being, yes, yes, let's talk about the frog whispering. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> that I literally kid's... wrote down, Alan is a frog whisperer question <laughs> yeah. mark. That kid is from Picket Fences. That's yeah, why I recognize weed. it. Yeah. yeah, he's in Picket Fences. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. So bad. The movie, I mean, like, isn't it just pretty much just sleepaway camp? Again, the, the way I was saying in the first movie, there's almost a separate story of what happened to Angela before she arrived at the camp and what happens at the camp. The story of Alan, the obnoxious idiot asshole that everyone hates, who is still not as bad as the people that are tormenting him, I guess, um, is separate from the story of Angela coming back to this camp to kill a bunch of people. Spin like, off. Like it does, but I mean, it's almost like two. At some point, I thought there was a two killers plotline going on, and I was curious to see how they were going to do that. It seemed like maybe there was going to be whatever Angela was doing, and then Alan was going to get pushed over the edge the way that Angela was. And I really thought we might end up with two, two yeah. killers. And I yeah, felt yeah. like the only way that they could really up the ante would be to have him have both kinds of genitalia at the end. He could have been standing there at the end <laughs> with both. Okay. But I guess I mean like more like there's like a kitchen death. Yeah. And oh, then right. there's like and they have that shot of the baseball game. And then there's uh Yeah. What else? Ronnie accusing Petey yeah. of being the killer and like basically attacking her. Right, much like Mel did. Yeah, and even just like the reveal, like you literally see Angela, the real Angela, mm -hmm. for like two seconds. Right. And then the movie's over. You know? I don't know, just being the same director from the first one. 
it just seemed like the return, with the exception of the Alan storyline, because there really is no equivalent character, uh, because, yeah, I guess there's not. It just seemed like it was like a retread of a lot of the same scenarios. Yeah. This one had like a Nickelodeon yeah. feel to it. Like, it, if, if you took out the cursing... Yeah, like, and the a, killing. like a salute your shorts. Yeah, it was like killer. It was so much like a Nickelodeon show that it made me uncomfortable. If it didn't have the profanity, didn't have the killing in it, it would have just been salute your shorts. The Zeke the Plumber episode in particular. Oh, yeah. Zeke the Plumber. It's the same shit. So, I don't know. This one. I'd say that the first and the last one are the best of them. And I obviously. think people that were fans of the first one were hopeful for this movie when it came out mm. that it might be something special so we mm. actually had room to disappoint people I think like when it right. came out and the fact that it sure. wasn't anything particularly special and I don't know I really do feel like the way that things played out with Alan's character I kind of wanted more of a conclusion there whether it was going to be him getting killed or him killing somebody or something I do think that, that character was set up to be he almost was irrelevant to whatever Angela was doing how would you feel about his uh, comeback to everybody that Talk shit about him. <laughs> your ass stinks. That's so funny. Randy, your ass stinks. I know when he first said it to Randy. <laughs> Ronnie, I, your ass stinks. I thought it was something that he just said to Randy, maybe. So did I. Or maybe that's that he said in that moment. And then the fact that when he says it to everybody and everyone's just like. The best part is that's delivered in a scene where they're all lighting their farts on fire. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And he always says it like, gotcha, yeah. you know, like, no. and like people are going to think it's kind of delightful. Speaking of Randy, the talk about these long shots, the Randy. <laughs> Tied to the tree, ripping the dick off, and the girl in the jeep. It was scene. so long. Was it not like seven minutes? It was so long. Man. Like that was because I was like, just rip his dick off. Come yeah. on, like move yeah. along with it. I think that was the, obviously to build the tension, but looking at the little, the wire wasn't thick enough yeah. for you to really see what was happening like, yeah. until it really started to yank. So I was like, eh, no, it was f-? like, what's going on? It was just kind of wiggling. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of moving left to right, and then it wiggled. Well, he spent it- 10 minutes thinking that it was Linda or whatever yeah, her name yeah. was going, ah, what are you doing? <laughs> Tying me to this tree. Come on. And, also, then it, and then it was Alan. Yeah. How could you thread yeah. a dick with a... <laughs> it just happened too perfectly. You can't take... Uh, why am I trying to don't do that to yourself you're better than that Ronald it was like a dick noose yeah and the pretty dick, much the dick noose it lowered down it lowered it's down fishing and, line so yeah. it's very light it fishing caught line. his dick somehow yeah. Real very dick. accurate what she's the... great with some fishing line yeah yeah it was crazy it's probably from all the fishing that they did in uh, part 3 where they caught all those fish and then Linda Maybe. drives away the plan depended on Linda being a chicken shit who wasn't going to try to help Randy yeah. no matter what happened. <laughs> Which was a perfect plan. So she hops in the Jeep and tries to drive away. And then she gets – it seems like a perfect setup for a simple decapitation or <laughs> – it's, like <laughs> it's like she drives through an automatic uh, spring-loaded barbed wire head wrap. Yeah. That like rather – it's stretched across the road. Perfect yeah. for just a quick thunk and the head is gone and that's yeah. it. Yeah, like driving in a Jeep without a windshield, yeah. any kind of framing. <laughs> yeah. And, and you got the barbed wire shot across yeah. and, it, and it hits and it just wraps yeah. around her. <laughs> She's driving down. And she dies from the accident. Yeah. And she's still alive later though. Like yeah. She yeah. actually is later going, uh, But with, she's driving down yeah. a well-lit street. Yeah. So you would see yeah. the barbed wire, which oh, makes no sense. So good. God, man. The other, the other death scene I liked was... Uh, the one punk that was like looking through the hole in the floor, yeah, and it's like it, it was so drawn out. Six shots, I'm like, yeah. don't you see it? No, I don't see no, it. What? Oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, I see it too. 
And then when she finally stabs him, he just like wanders around. Yeah. And then he like happens to just jam it into a wall <laughs> and it the rest of the yeah. way through. But oh, when so he grabbed good. it, he was like, ah. Yeah. He had both yeah. of his hands. And on the him. makeup around it, like the little. The, <laughs> oh. ah. I did actually think, though, I mean, in terms of not maybe clever or funny is the wrong word, but I do think them continually looking down in the hole and saying, no, what do what? like that was yeah. kind of like that, that had to be on purpose that they were trying to draw it out. Now, sure. what, whether they thought we were going like, Oh my God, or yeah. whether it was supposed to be like, it's when, this time, when's it going to happen? Yeah. was more like what I was thinking, yeah. but still I felt like that, that at least was an idea of how a sure. scene could go. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention with that character, his name was TC as well. I yeah. Him. I noticed that. So TC. TC, so there's been a TC in two, two different movies. But he's disregarding those movies. So I, I was wondering, are we, or were other characters analogs for other... But there weren't. I don't think there yeah. were any other names that it had in common. So that's just like a weird coincidence. The one death I really liked was the bunk bed. Yeah. I legit actually liked the that kind of part. It was a parkour good... aspect of yeah. that. Yeah. Of being, yeah. Like waiting. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, was kind of That cool. was scary because the notion of somebody like waiting up in the rafters for you to fall into their trap and then they jump down and you're dead. That was... That was, that was pretty I like The that reveal one. happened so... Yeah. In a cool way. You could like, tell that they put all the money into that cool shot because yeah. it was like a pan over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The little piece comes back. Yeah. Comes back. You're like, oh no. And then <laughs> <he> jumps out <laughs> yeah. quickly. You don't really have enough time to like... Oh, oh, it just yeah. happened so quickly. And then you have to see her blood squirting out all over the, the yeah. snacks that she was hoarding. Oh, yes. God. So good. Yes. I got nothing else to say about No, I'm done. Turn. I'm... So, so you're talking about the, the reunion one? Is that the, the new one that's supposed to be coming out? Oh, is yeah. It, there's, is... supposed, there's supposedly another script really? or another movie happening at some point. But... Wow. Like, uh, I, for one, cannot wait. I will absolutely watch it. I'll watch it. See? I'll watch You'll it. You'll watch it. I'll watch it. Apparently, Robert uh, Hiltzik considers it a trilogy. The first one, Return, and then whatever his next one is. Oh, wow. And then Michael Simpson also has a script for one called Sleepaway Camp Berserk, which picks up uh, his timeline. So we could conceivably get... Get out of here. get two different trajectories. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Except that neither movie will probably be any good. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. I, I guess I'm looking here to see if I have any other... Thoughts as far as um, I did notice at one point that Vincent Pastore, uh, Frank's, did you notice his goatee disappeared for like half a scene? No. Like he's got a kind of a, you know, like look what looks like maybe a, a week or two's goatee. Mm-hmm. And then there's a scene where he has shaven, but you can tell he's trying to grow back a goatee and it looks like maybe a two or three days worth of goatee. And then it cuts back to a shot where he's got oh, a thicker no. goatee. It's great. So what did you think of uh, Ricky's return, seeing that actor? In- Still having like this the same basic yeah. tone and everything as a as like a middle aged guy. He got worse. Yeah, I saw him one year at a horror convention. Really, I didn't like meet him, but I saw he was there. Yeah, he look he looks pretty rough. This he, was like eight. He's years in ago. good shape, but uh, yeah. You notice rough. that scene towards the end where he comes up and he says, "Well, here I am." Yeah, <laughs> and then like the, there's the weirdest scene of exposition that we don't really need at that point in the movie at all. Like it's it's about bringing Ricky up to speed with what's going on, and we yeah. we could give a shit. You know, if you're yeah. in the third act of your movie, I don't need a character who hasn't been in the movie to be like, "Hold on, let's bring him up to speed." Yeah, you could tell that he said the only way I'm going to do this is if I get a promotion in the storyline. That's yeah. the only way. Yeah. He's like, I own a piece of the. Well, he's there with Ronnie. He's like yeah. in a couple of shots going, oh, my God. And then he's there for the reveal of Angela at the end. So theoretically, he dies. So in the last – their attempt to get her to recreate what the mask was doing at the end of the first movie, though, was still not as 
creepy as the mask. But she at least, you know, they're at least nodding to that idea that yeah. her being kind of like... Her face is still crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, make no mistake. She has been working for... Since that movie came out, she's been working. I don't understand how she did not appear in the earlier movies. She's been working since 83, mm-hmm. consistently in terrible horror films. I don't understand why she couldn't have just played Angela in the other ones. And mm-hmm. she probably would have been a world better than Pamela probably Prince. Probably a different movie. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I like this exchange. Um, someone comes in, TC's chilling in the in the bunkhouse, and someone says, yo, TC, what are you doing? And he says, he's looking at a porno mag. Oh, yeah. He says, scoping tits and choking the weasel. <laughs> Because that's how people talk. In 2004. <laughs> it's insane. And the dude's like, yeah. All right. What is it about, like, those two weeks? Yeah, dude. We're smoking weed. Why is, why is it that everybody in movies that smokes weed sounds like that in that sort of setting? Well, it's like yeah. it's just like the Shoat sisters yeah. in the second one. It's like you've got to set up quickly yeah. that these characters are doing this one thing that's going to define the way that yeah. they die. You know, so crazy. I think we're just dealing with the director that's lost his way. I think that <laughs> did he I, ever find it? Though? He's made two films, yeah. and you saw them both. I saw them both. <laughs> There's something, something happened to his brain after a while. Like it's, you cannot. There's nothing complete about it. Like, mm-hmm. there's no beginning, middle, end to this movie. It just feels very... Yeah. It could have been several episodes of a show, it felt <laughs> right. like. It didn't feel like it... It's like, oh, okay, there's more that's going to happen after this, right? Nope. Well, none of them have much of a sense outside of a couple of characters that are, like, trying to escape Yeah. once they know what's going on. Like, I think the second and the third one both have a character who's, like, trying to escape from Angela once they know that she's a killer. Right. But the other ones don't really have that. There's not that sense of an arc. There's not that sense of, uh, we've got to get out of here before this, or we've got to go... You know what I mean? There's no ticking clock, really. It's just... The only ticking clock is when are people going to realize that these aren't accidental deaths, and when are... Yeah, when is somebody going to realize nobody's left but them, basically. Right, right, (laughs) right. But there's otherwise no... No real reason for these stories to happen when they happen. Yeah. Uh, outside of maybe the first one with the idea that, yeah, Angela, who it's established, doesn't go to camp and this is her first time to go, that maybe she would be triggered by a lot of things. But that's the only one that really makes makes that much sense. Because what's Angela doing in the in the in return if we just look at her story? She shows up. Now, there, did you notice the after credit scene in the fifth one? No. Oh yes. I didn't see it. When the you talking it, about it shows the, how she gets the police cruiser and the police uniform. Yeah. So the guy's changing a. T- so she, she okay. She's on the side of the road with a broken down car that's up yeah. on a jack, and a cop is and helping her. A cop her. gets under the yeah. wheel to change it, and she just lets it go, and his his head gets smashed. Like a goddamn watermelon. But it still seems like someone would have noticed, like, there's a fake sheriff running around. A very frail... <laughs> frail, sickly, <laughs> little, reedy with, fake sheriff. With, with baby heads. <laughs> Those fucking baby heads in a... Yes. Where did she get that from? Yes. That we big, know that Angela's a planner. That big nose. Yeah. <laughs> It yeah, that's true. She had a replica outfit for Milkshake. In, in the, a different universe. Yeah, yeah that's right. Another version An alternate of version of her. Yes. I looked for little traces of the other movies working their way into this one, and I really felt like they, they avoided, outside of maybe the character of TC being yeah. a reference to the character of TC, they really did 
So it makes me wonder, does that mean that Robert Hiltzik hates hates what they did with the other movies so. and like has a very specific aesthetic things going on? Because there is a real difference aesthetically yeah. between the two middle films. Like we're not even going to speak of the survivor. That's not a film. Yeah. Between those two middle films and and the two kind of bracketing films, there is a big just yeah. aesthetic stylistic difference. There's just no, like you can tell that the the original writer and director really doesn't want to emphasize just outright misogyny in the way that the yeah. other one. It's just not. It's just not a thing. He obviously likes to have an attractive women in the movies in a sense of peril, but like. Nah, there's not just not a lot of that craziness that was in the the middle ones. It's just there's no nudity in them. That mm-hmm. was one one of the things. Yeah, I the could first think and of. the last one. There's no nudity. In there's them. no nudity. So the only nudity is the 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 penis at the end of the first one. Yeah, and then the sort of implied, but we never see it. Penis that gets ripped off. Yeah, in this so. one. So so yeah, we did it, guys. Oh, we man. watched all five Sleepaway Camp films. What a chore. Yes. What a fun chore. Fun. Yeah. It was a fun chore after a while. I mean, Happy Halloween, all you guys out there. You see what we would do for you. I hope somebody listening watched these films and, and listened along. And I know Brandon I know Brandon was really excited about these. <laughs> Brandon Lescure. Um, So I would love to hear what you thought about the movies, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Uh, super interesting. So. Did, did, oh, as far as memorable death, did we say that for the last one? Um, I don't think we did. <laughs> Memorable death. The smoking one, the charring, the... The guy who was force-fed gasoline yeah. and then turned into a bomb. Oh, yeah. How that would happen, I don't know. I don't know. It's just... I like the I, kid with the stick in it. No, no, no. Dick, dick, Jeep dick rip off. Yeah. Jeep dick rip off was... <laughs> it took a while, but the payoff, man. Yeah. Just like... <laughs> You see it like pull off, just kind of scurrying across the <laughs> ground of the forest. As much as I like the magical barbed wire head wrap scene, I have to say that I think that the uh, skinned alive guy who skinned the frogs getting skinned alive, like seemingly again silently, people this is who, like stepbrother, right? Yeah, Michael or yeah. yeah. Like they I felt like that out of him. I felt like that was a that was suitably gruesome. It's like if they were trying to end on a gruesome idea. But with the reveal of Angela at the mm. end of this movie, at least the idea of like a young guy who's been who's still alive and had all of his skin removed—that's like that's unsettling enough to make you think. Okay, right. they were going for something creepy at the end. I don't know if it really worked, but <laughs> okay. So what's next, guys? We're gonna do Saw next week, right? And then after that, oh, we'll do, do Candyman, <laughs> and then we're gonna do uh, Puppet Master, <laughs> and then we're gonna do Child's Play, and then we're gonna do—I don't know what else. No, maybe maybe next year. Or maybe sometime we'll do this again. I do think the idea of taking a franchise where none of us are expecting greatness and seeing what we can find, you know, because right. I think we would all have been honest if these movies had been unexpectedly good. Right. We would be having Absolutely. a slightly different conversation. But you know what happened? Uh, this kind of thing where, like, because I'd seen these terrible versions, I think I liked the first one a lot more than I thought. Yeah. It 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 was weird because I was so angry at the end because I I thought. I have to be completely honest. I thought you guys were fucking with me. I thought that I thought that this was like an elaborate plan to <laughs> see like how kind of coordinate it. How angry I can get watching a watching a, a movie, and I, I was like, is, "Are they fucking? Is this like a? Why would they do this to me?" Well, why you, might, they... you asked that about the people that voted. Yeah, if only there was some way to track who who made which vote. Yeah, 
because then I could tell you like right, we could right. t- I could tell you exactly Call which people. which people specifically said <laughs> sleepaway camp. So if you're out there and you know you voted for sleepaway camp, own up to it. Yeah, own up to it. Ronald's got some really questions bad. for you. Please, he wants do. to come to your house. You got some explaining to do because yeah. this fucking movie drove me nuts. This movie series drove me nuts. And Erin was laughing so much at how angry I was. Mm-hmm. She she was so entertained because she had watched them. She mm-hmm. knew that I was going to watch them. So she watched the first three ahead of time. So <laughs> wow. she was like, I cannot wait to see. <laughs> I was burning up beside her. I couldn't. Anyway. Well, yeah, I think it is interesting when you look at what the other ones are that, yes, that the first one stands out as at least feeling like it's a more interesting vision or it's a more personal vision or something right, right. doesn't make it good but it does make it more uh, more unique if if something can be more unique than the, mm-hmm. than the other films didn't i feel like that movie opened number one when it, it did. opened that's insane yeah yeah i could see why it would though at the time i remember i, I read it somewhere like it, it beat something that was like a like a big movie really? i think uh y- yentl yentl okay and uh amityville in 3d amityville that's the one it it wow. yeah. Like, and if you look at the budget, to um, but you know the budget was three hundred fifty k, and it made eleven million in the box office. Wow. So for the wow. 80, early eighties, that's a pretty big it's hit. Insane. I mean, you can see why they, this was seen as like a cash cow to the studios. Yeah, absolutely. Keep pumping these things out. Absolutely. But after the second one, surely they knew they weren't making right. their, their money back. In fact, let me look and see what. Then the second one grossed. There's not even a gross mentioned. It just says uh, the budget was four hundred sixty-five thousand. So wow, so it's still really low. Yeah, I'm sure it made that back, and then some. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is that it for Sleepaway Camp? I think, I think so. so. I don't know if there's anything. Camp else. Camp is over. Oh. iTunes, subscribe, mm-hmm. rate, star. You know, do that. Uh, we're at uh, moviesmovie.com. We're on Google Music. Basically, any place you can find your podcast, we're probably there. If you wouldn't mind sharing or saying something nice about us, that'd be appreciated. And uh, we, we always love ideas. If you have any suggestions, feel free to comment on our Facebook page and let us know if you have some suggestions for episode ideas. And uh, until then, I think we're going to call this one a night. And uh, as always, you've made our day. Bye. Keep your morals strong and you'll never go wrong. There's plenty <laughs> of fish in the sea. Yeah. <laughs> Stay